Oh, hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. It's the Unicast episode 258. Uh, it's been a trying week for all of us out there. I hope you guys are staying safe, uh, but also making your voice heard if you're seeing things uh, that you don't love out there in the world. Uh, this week, we'll try and talk a little bit about that, even though it's a very complex topic. Uh, and then we'll also try and do some fun stuff to uh, to get our mind off that. We'll go over our big board game list. Uh, and again, this episode is sort of trying something different. We're filming everything out of order. So just uh, come along with this ride for us. And uh, maybe for an hour and a half, you can uh, find some fun and some enlightenment and some joy with your pals here at the Unicast on episode 258. As always, folks, we are happy to have you. So this is this is James. We're not being sponsored by Jameson here on episode two fifty eight. By the way, I'm just, not yet. Uh, not yet. Please hit me up, Jameson. I can use it this week. Uh, Jameson Irish whiskey infused with natural cold brew coffee flavor. Yes, it's pretty sharp looking. Uh, yeah, sharp looking bottle. It is a good looking. Um, bottle. I'm going to tell you right now. I love Jameson. We've talked mm-hmm. about this many times in the show. Kevin Sullivan, of course, here, joined by me, Sam Camillaro, uh-huh. again, mm-hmm. episode two fifty eight. Um. I'm a little concerned that this is going to be gimmicky. You said you've already tasted this? Uh, I did taste a little bit of it, yes. I got it. Well, cheers. I know we all need a drink here after this Two weekend. <laughs> mm, smells nice. Yeah, it's good. If you like coffee and whiskey together, it's for you. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, you see? Hmm. It's interesting. It's really... I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if I... certainly don't hate it. Right. <laughs> I certainly don't dislike it it's, it's a little bit lower uh, huh. it's, it's lower proof too I think it's only 60 proof as opposed to the regular Jameson which is 80 so you get twisted on this uh, less less twisted you get less twisted on this yes less twisted this is your breakfast Jameson <laughs> as opposed to Jameson which used to be my breakfast Jameson when I was younger yeah uh, <laughs> St. Patrick's Day and a few other select days throughout the year I suppose yeah yeah this is good could you you could almost use this for an Irish car bomb uh, yeah, you're that, or like put it in an Irish coffee or something like that. Like if you threw this right in a cup of coffee, instead of throwing Jameson in an Ooh. Irish coffee, that with like some Baileys. Mm. Yeah, you can get Ooh, yeah, a little creamy. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, this yeah. is pretty tasty. See? Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, episode, <laughs> what is this, 258? 258. Mm. Um, I want to shout out Heather. We, uh, I miss her already. It's been one week since I talked to her. I didn't even get to talk to her, so. We're going to figure out some way to, it's. Even when I was talking to her via, uh, I think we didn't use Zoom, we used um, whatever the, the more popular one used to be. Skype? Skype. Is that it? Is that, yeah, it's Skype. Is that what it used to be before Zoom killed everything? Skype. Yeah, we were on like Skyping or whatever. And mm-hmm. even that was fine. It's just, I really, I don't love the, it's just not the same. It's never the it's same. It's not the same. It's never the same. Uh, but I love talking to Heather. I was happy we did. Mm-hmm. We get to, we're getting close to episode uh, five year anniversary, so mm. when we do that in a few weeks, I'll, I'll be sure to get her back on. Right. Uh, we miss her. Kevin, your hair looks great. 
Hey, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it had to be done, and I'll tell you what, I it was a lifesaver, because you know that, you know, although a pretty turbulent weekend abroad, um, it, it was a great weekend for me personally, yeah. uh, because my darling, darling sister Liz got married uh, mm-hmm. to Phil, and mm-hmm. because we couldn't have the large wedding, uh, we just had small, immediate family, and so I was tapped to perform the ceremony. <laughs> so I, I got the privilege to marry them and to be out there and to do it, and it was amazing. Can I say, you had told me yeah, yeah. a while ago that you were doing this. You're like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm doing, I, I had to do the correspondence to do the thing online so I could get the, the forms. So I, yes. could be the, so I could do the, what do you call and it? To be it, fair, you don't really have to. Right. That's what I've learned right, right, here right. in this process. Uh, but I, I didn't need to send that $40 to that. No. But I forgot you told me this. Right, right. right? So a couple days ago, I mean, last week, I get home and there's something in the mail. This big giant envelope. Do not bend from like United Christian Minute. Like some. Mi- I was like, oh no, not Christian yet. United like Universal <laughs> Church, like Universal Church Life. I was like, yo, what very is very it? broad. I could have signed up and got the Wicca specific. I could have been Ooh, a minister a Wicca. of Wicca. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, you never know. But we were deep in the woods by a beautiful waterfall in Dodgeville. One of the most, mm. one of the nicest places I've ever been. It was a perfect uh, spot for them. And we were out there on a cliffside. We had to climb right down. It was. It was a wild time, but it was the perfect ceremony for them, and I'm so happy for them. It was I feel I, truly one of the highlights it's of my Phil, life. It's Phil, right? Yeah. Phil, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Mazel Tov, obviously, mm-hmm. to Liz and Phil. Yeah, you know, 100%. One of our all-time favorites, Liz Sullivan. Yeah. Liz, I don't know what her new last name is now. Tenny. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. No affiliation. Uh, no affiliation, though. Wow. As everybody there made very, very clear. About to get blocked no affiliation. on Twitter again. Tough, though. Tough, Tough. though. Tough. Yeah, I'm already I'm already Jeez. blocked on Twitter, so it's coming back around. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, my sister's gonna have to block me on Twitter uh, now, I guess. Uh, but your haircut looks great, folks. Who can't see uh, Kevin's haircut? It looks great. I am wearing a headband. I'm a headband guy now. Kevin. You're, you're wearing okay. So so I had to perform this wedding, and so luckily the barbershop opened the day before because my yeah. hair was super long, as long as it's been in charge of Polly. Shout out to Paul, who stayed open late yeah. and took an appointment for me to cut my hair and yep. was a lifesaver there. Uh, but yes, you have the sleeve that you cut off a t-shirt <laughs> as a headband wrapped wildly with your hair coming out in all different directions. It's definitely uh It's quite a look. Yeah. It's quite a fit, as the kids would say. Um, so yeah, congrat- uh, congratulations again, Liz and Phil. Uh, so I can marry anybody now, though. They gave, I was I've thinking got the about card, that I've got a badge that says clergy. I've got like a parking What's badge. What's your rate? Uh, great question. Great, because what do you charge? If you want the Uticas to marry you, it feels yeah. I mean, I'll, I will. I would love to. I'm performing a ceremony later this year, actually, for somebody else too. Really, another one? Yeah, yeah. For our friends of the show, I'll tell you afterwards. Mm. But um, I think I bet I can guess who it is. But you, uh, you probably could. Yeah, you probably could. But I only have so many friends who are getting married and coming up soon. It's true. So yeah, I'm I'm into it though. That's going to be my new thing. I'll just start performing wedding ceremonies. We'll bring the whole show. Mm. We'll get the Maiden Utica yeah. wedding package. <laughs> Zach can come down and DJ. Parkinson can film it. We'll get the photo booth going on. I'll just give some real neurotic. Mark Simon can take pictures. I'll give some real neurotic rambling opening monologue. Like, hey there, folks. Marriage. What's this all about? <laughs> I don't know. I've never had a relationship. Anyhow, you guys look great. I'm gonna go. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Uh, I think this cold brew is getting in my head already. Just two sips. Uh, if two. I would say I'm turning into uh, my mom, but I'm not allowed to talk about her anymore. Oh, that's show. right. It's yeah. it's important to note that we're not supposed to talk about your mother. But my mom, who I'm not allowed to talk about in the show, right? she has a very low tolerance for alcohol. Mm. So a couple, like one glass of wine, she's like, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm getting that way as I get older now. You probably, you almost never really drink. And if you do, you'll have like a beer or two to be polite somewhere. 
Do you remember, this is kind of an offhand story, I remember getting bad news about an employment thing that I was really excited about a couple years ago. And I came home and I was really upset. Yes. And I, uh, and I had like two drinks. Yeah, you a did. A whole two drinks. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you, I didn't feel great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I lost my tolerance. So baby many... soft. The edge. Is yeah, just that's true. Retired. Uh, speaking of which, I, uh, I got a parking ticket this weekend. My edge was real high. I heard I that you did get a parking ticket, ticket didn't you? I was so mad. So mad. Especially when I drove down to City Hall today and found out that City Hall's not open. Mm. So, so I drove all the way down there. After I had gone out with the money to pay the ticket and realized that I didn't bring the ticket with me. Well, you know what's obnoxious, too, is if you remember, if you're an OG at getting parking tickets in Utica, like I am, I've been getting parking tickets for a long time in this yes, city. Sir. Um, if you remember, when they used to give them out, they were like on a dual piece of paper that you could basically form into an envelope on its yeah. own. Like you take the piece off, put the money in, fold the end over. Yep. And just throw it in the mail. Mm. Now you can't do that. You have to get the envelope, the stamp, put it on there, and the whole production. Yeah. Scam. Yeah, it's a big scam. Uh, so <laughs> I had to go through that day. I had that moment. And here's the thing that I think, and we're probably going to talk about police at some point in time today, <laughs> soon. I, I would imagine. Uh, but this is something that drives me nuts when I go to, like, the Parking Violations Bureau or, like, the police office or something like this, right? Mm. I feel like I'm not allowed to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Because I would love to know why... My car being out in front of my street on the in front of the house in the suburbs where there's no major traffic is a parking ticket. I, I just want to know like the real and I've mm-hmm. looked this up. I'm sure someone can hit me up on Twitter or something about like mm-hmm. what it is. I've heard it's like a beautification neighborhoods thing. You don't want cars out in the street all night. Mm-hmm. Fine. It feels like I shouldn't pay fifty dollars for this. No, I. You can listen if you want to hear. If you, I wrote an article on, that's on that's on MadeInUtica.com yeah. from a couple of years ago called "The Problem with Fifty Dollar Parking Tickets" or something yep. like that. And if you look it up, it's still on Made in Utica, and you can read it. And that's kind of my case is like, I understand that we have to have parking rules and we have to enforce parking rules, and there's certain things we have to do, especially when it comes to the winter, the plows, and all that stuff. And you can't have pandemonium. I get all that, but a fifty dollar fine levied on people that bumps way up after 72 hours is just it's unrealistic for a lot of people in the places where they're giving these tickets well, that's what i thought about too because i got this on essentially a saturday right right mm-hmm. they're not open on really on saturday i mean mm-hmm. i didn't get it until saturday morning so then i'm like all right whatever sunday they're not open mm-hmm. now i have one day to respond to this i go down mm-hmm. to city hall that shit's closed yeah so now i have to like go through this is gonna sound stupid i have to go through the process of buying envelopes and going to find a stamp because this is 2020 and i haven't sent a real right. terrestrial uh letter in damn near two years right handful, so, of, handful of times a year very rare yeah. very very rare that i send any of that stuff so I, I don't know i was pretty good and aggro about it all morning long it just felt unfair i was like god damn it i gotta send this out today now before the end of the day because otherwise they're gonna be like oh no you were late on the postmarks now you gotta pay us $75, not $25, whatever it is, $50, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So, I don't know. I was pretty aggro about it. But then, as I woke up this morning, and I had a really long, thorough conversation with my wonderful sister, who I appreciated, because we were mm. both pretty aggro this morning, I realized that my problems are all very low. Very small. Very small very and small. very low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just want to start off, because we'll, we'll get into talking about the protests that have been going on right now. I just want to start off with something that I thought was really important that I've been thinking about a lot and it's just like this horrible habit that it seems like me and my sister and my brother-in-law who I've been talking to a lot over the last couple weeks have been getting into which is this process of waking up in the morning and immediately diving into the bad news and before I'm even out of bed I feel like angry and sad and upset and powerless 
and right. it's like nine nine in the morning. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah. it's the worst thing that anyone can do. And I just want people mm. to like I don't know take some time during the day to like step back and do something for your mental health. You mm. know what I mean? To do something to help. Do, okay, I'll co-sign that. Yeah, yeah, because I'm just seeing so many people like who are so like mentally like frayed about everything that's going on and i am too and it's mm-hmm. and i i don't think there's a reason you shouldn't be but like try and find some time to do something for your mental benefit because it's a lot of people are scared and sad out there too and i think it's important to know that there are people who are struggling yeah yeah anxiety especially people i talk mm-hmm. to really closely it's like yeah a lot of anxiety going kicking up right a lot now. right now mm-hmm. um i mean again i don't i don't I always feel weird talking about stuff like this because you know, who are we? Who are we? Who right? are we? Right. I hear you. Uh, we're in day six of the what seemingly is now an international protest over the uh, the murder of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Um, have you watched the video? I guess is a place to start. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you? I knew as soon as I saw the video. Like when the video was first spreading on yeah. Twitter, as soon as I saw the video, I was like, oh wow, this is gonna be, this is gonna be huge, uh, huge, huge. It's. I mean, it's so egregious. And the videos that have come out since yeah. of you know the other guys standing by the side by the wayside. And these guys, you know, hitting him and, you know, in the car. And he's already handcuffed and they're standing around. And he's already laying there and, like, nobody intervening. These EMTs not doing anything. I mean, in, you know, we forget we just had Armand Aubrey a week ago before that get shot Absolutely. down jogging. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, run down. And we had that, yeah. uh, I think, I want to say Brianna Taylor, who was yep. in her yes. house and got shot. The police raided the wrong house and shot her. And nobody was doing anything there. Nobody had any crimes, any warrants, anything. No reason to do this, and these things just all happened, and it was coming to a head, and it's just, I mean, I, you know, if you don't see why there's people out in the streets in every major city in, in America, I don't know what to tell you if you don't see why these people are out here. I watched the video when it was making the rounds, too, and it's one of those things that I just don't understand, and when people try to explain, it seems like, why they feel a certain other way, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Mm. I watched that video. By myself, before I'd spoken to anybody else again. Early in the morning, I'd woken up and read it in like a yeah, new, yeah, news feed. And my first natural inclination was just anger. Just as the yeah. video was going on, I was like, how can you not be angry about mm-hmm. what you're looking at? And then you get even more angry by the amount of people whose first thought isn't anger for what's going on, but like blind defense of what happened. Yeah, yeah. And it... And I, man, remember when coronavirus was the thing that everyone was talking about? And it's and well that's that's another that that's the problem with when you talk yeah. about like we don't know if we should talk like talking about this yeah. on this show because there's so much complexity and density to dive mm-hmm. into, but that's another thing we have yet to see. There were a lot of people yes. out there rubbing yep. up against one another Absolutely. and a lot of people in one area and you saw so many people being mm-hmm. good about masks and coverings, but like still we'll see if there's spikes or upticks to come from that too, because that's still going on. I mean, it's really fucking pandemonium in the streets in the world. You know what I mean? It's crazy to see. This is the wildest time of our lifetimes. Yeah. There's yes. no there's no question. This is the For wildest sure. things happened in this country since nineteen sixty eight when none of us and almost all the people who listen to our show, besides your mom, who we're not supposed to talk about. Not show. supposed to talk about. Um but more, like most of the people who listen weren't here in nineteen sixty eight to see those yeah. in the civil rights movement then and all the things that went on, but it's it's crazy. There's a really good political article about that today about how this isn't quite as bad as nineteen sixty eight yet. Yeah, that's the yeah, yeah I mean, that's it's the been, what, six days? Yeah. I don't know. Um I, I I'm kind of torn. Um, there's a quote that I read uh, from someone, and I want to share it with people. Mm. And I'm tempted to read the quote, but it's a little bit longer than I would normally read. Mm. But I think it's a really great quote. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to read you the quote, okay? Because I think it ties into what I want to talk about next. Okay? Sure. 
Alright, uh, first, the wave of protests across the country represent a genuine and legitimate frustration over a decade-long failure to reform police practices in the broader criminal justice system in the United States. The overwhelming majority of participants have been peaceful, courteous, responsible, and inspiring. They deserve our respect and support, not condemnation. Something that people in cities like uh, Camden and Flint have uh, con uh, con uh, commendably understood. On the other hand, the small minority of folks who resorted to violence in various forms, whether out of genuine anger or mere opportunism, are putting innocent people at risk, compounding the destruction of neighborhoods that are often already short on services and investment uh, and detracting from the larger cause. Uh, I saw an elderly black woman being interviewed today in tears because the only grocery store in her neighborhood had been trashed. If history is any guide, the store may take years to come back. So let's not ex excuse violence or rationalize it or participate in it. If we want our criminal justice system and American society at large to operate on a higher ethical code, then we have to model that code ourselves. It's a beautiful quote. Mm -hmm. That is from Barack Obama, sure from is. President Barack Obama. Excellent piece on Medium.com. Yep. Excellent, yeah. excellent piece. I mean, it's so refreshing to read yeah. some leadership because, I mean, you know, not to, to, you know, depending on what we're delving into, but, like, there's been absolutely no leadership from federal level. You well, know what I mean? And that's what I, and that's what I wonder. And I, and I think, uh, you know... Quite the opposite, like actually being a flamethrower and only yeah. stoking divisions and only saying stuff to 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 incite people and I heard to somebody, stoke the flames and to poke the beehive. I heard somebody call him the divider in chief. It's true. And a lot of people. It's and I think that's what I'm saying. Like even from a non, if you if you can take the the politics out of it, if you can ignore the Democrat and Republican of this, which I know is very hard for a lot of people, can Trump not even build himself up to have? any sympathy even to pretend to be like we're no. it's just no. not there it's no. just he not doesn't, he doesn't even operate on a level on that level of consciousness i don't think no <laughs> it's so no. fucked up it's so how do you not have if you tried to say that to him he wouldn't understand what you were he wouldn't saying understand it he wouldn't even get, he wouldn't even listen damn wouldn't even listen especially at this damn. age like somebody who's never been told no somebody's in their 70s no absolutely not I feel like I'm swearing a lot already today. It's because we had this Jameson. I think, you, yeah, you're just loose. You've got you've got a rocks class in your hand. You've had three steps out of it, and you're just like, uh, you've turned into Quint from Jaws out here. Yeah. You've got Farewell. the bandana, you're sweating. And I do. Uh, I mean, it's it's sort of a comical comparison, and I talked about it to you earlier, but I heard Bill Simmons say this on his podcast. I've been thinking mm -hmm. about it a lot. And it was, uh, for all the Knicks fans out there, or fans of any sort of poorly run sports franchise... Knicks fans for years have had nothing but bad things to say about their team. Mm. And I mean, there's been some uptimes and downtimes, made things get a little better, things are worse. But at the end of the day, they have this terrible owner, James Dolan. And mm -hmm. until James Dolan is gone, the Knicks will never be good. Yeah. They're never, they don't have the capacity to be good under him because he is not a leader. Right? He doesn't care enough about the things he's supposed to care about as an NBA owner. Mm -hmm. Right? For a guy who's supposed to be a basketball team owner, he doesn't seem to care about the fans or basketball or any of that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's a fair comparison to make about Donald Trump. I don't think that he is capable no. of leading this team, quote-unquote, America, no. out of this struggle because he doesn't have it in him. Repu yeah. Republican Democrat doesn't matter. you see him the other day out there when he was talking about NASA and all that? I mean, he looked like, he looked like they just dragged him out of the home. It looked yeah. like Weekend at Bernie's. Like, it was insane. Like, yeah, he can't... No, there's no wherewithal the cognizance that's only only stoking the fires and only pushing it up. And, like, listen, people will say what they will about different things getting violent or looting. You know, there's been all sorts of different videos. It's crazy to see these protests because they're so well recorded on video with everybody out there with, yeah. you know, camera phones. But you've got people, you know, they're showing cops instigating people and being and pushing and, yeah. and causing, turning peaceful, you know, protests into, like, louder things and firing tear gas and rubber bullets on people that are protesting 
And you've got, sure, you've got agitators like looting and doing different things, breaking windows, destroying property. But the majority of the people out there are peacefully protesting. And I think a lot of these people who try to use the fact that there's looting or violence or whatever like that to discredit the entire thing are being mm-hmm. disingenuous. I think it's a bad point. You know what I mean? Uh, I think, too, you've seen a lot more discussion recently about the militarization of police forces. Uh, right. And now you're really seeing, like, why does your local police force have a tank? Yeah. Well, why because, do you because have... the military has to they yeah. sell off that gear after they're done using it and they get new stuff the military has to do something with it so they sell it off to local police departments we'll we'll talk about it uh we'll talk about it a little bit later too about because cnn is in our uh, history lessons this week but mm. did you see the cnn reporter who got yeah. like god being a journalist doesn't seem like it has any real benefit last it. night they fired uh rubber bullets at interior yeah. at multiple journalists like uh, in various places it's almost like you don't know that the optics are going to be there. Like, people are going to see that. They know. It almost yeah. seems like they don't care, which is a lot scarier. And here's the thing, right? I, I, Nobody's acting like they're going to have to take their medicine. You know what I mean? They're out there, like Tom Cotton and Trump are out there today saying, that, you know, they should have the National Guard and fire on people, saying people should have no quarter. Yeah. I like, heard... That's unprecedented. I have family members, close mm-hmm. friends who are police officers. I am mm-hmm. torn by my feelings about police officers. I've always respected what it takes to do that job. I would not want to be a police officer. No. Never. Um, but I'm also, like, scared to question anything a police officer does because of the authority a police officer has or could have over me, right? And that's just as a white guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a white guy. 100%. Yeah. And it's... Well, that's... Here, so there's a couple things I've said about, you know, the, the issue is, you know... It's, it's the job that becomes the problem, the systemic nature of the job and this, this notion of covering up. You know, I keep, I keep, you always hear people saying, oh, well, it's a few bad apples, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, There's only some bad cops, you know what I mean? But if you've got, if you've got 10 bad cops and you've got 100 good cops that protect that bad cop, those mm-hmm. 10 bad cops out of some, you know, misguided notion of brotherhood, then what you have is 110 bad cops. And that's the thing, like, the, the protection and this code of silence and, you know, the, the blue wall, thin blue line, all this stuff. Sure, whatever, guys, but, like, you, if you're protecting people who are doing bad stuff just because they're a cop, and like, well, this guy did this thing and he killed this guy, we're going to protect him or move him here somewhere or be protected by the police union from being held accountable, then you all look bad by association. And that's what needs to be stopped. There has to be some sort of independent oversight because, I mean, this goes on... You know, this has been going on incessantly. You know, you look at, there's other cases too. You look up Daniel Shaver, look up that name. The guy was shot on his hands and knees, a white guy in a hotel hallway by a cop, you know. I didn't, uh, I didn't bring up any more stuff for the pod about him this week, but uh, I've been reading a lot about Bob Kroll, Mm. who is another person whose name keeps getting brought up. He's the head of the Policeman's Union Mm -hmm. in Minneapolis, or just in general. I don't know if it's just in general or in Minneapolis, but, you know, like there were, you know, Trump took down a lot of these Obama era like police like overhaul stuff. Like he allowed yeah. this oversight to be mm-hmm. pushed away, and yeah. I mean, this is what happens. <laughs> because I mean, he you know the the dog whistles are ringing loud and clear. You know, he's made very clear what side he's on, who he doesn't want to alienate. You know, if you look at the the new ad that Project Lincoln just put out about the Confederate flag, is a really yeah. affecting piece of like you know political propaganda for lack of a better term because mm-hmm. it's a political commercial. You know, so it is what it is. But it really, like, that's kind of what we're going through right now, you know, is rooting out this this racism that's been alive in this country since the inception. And these, these wounds from the Civil War that we never really healed, we just kind of scabbed over. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're talking about, we're right at the 99th anniversary of the burning down of Black Wall Street in yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, in 1985, the yeah. Philadelphia police dropped bombs from the air and burned down a neighborhood in Philadelphia 
in a black neighborhood killing like 11 people. They bombed these people out of houses. You know what I mean? The police have been doing this. It's been going on in this country since forever and we've never reckoned with it. And, you know, it's our job as the people who enjoy the privilege and our job as yeah. white folks to stand up and put ourselves in between this and put a stop to it because we're the ones who have to reckon with it. And that starts by having uncomfortable conversations in the home and with yeah. people that you care about and people you know and, you know, stuff like that and really standing up when you see it. You have to. I want to talk about the local response to this, actually, the protests that happened yesterday. Mm. Um, I feel bad that I didn't go, actually. Yeah, I didn't see it until I saw yeah. some people post about it, because we had the wedding going on this yeah. weekend, and I was out. Yeah. I don't really get, I don't get on Facebook much at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really get on Facebook at all anymore, but I saw some people post about it on Instagram. I didn't know, but I would have gone down, and I was yeah. really happy to see how many people were mm-hmm. out. I've seen other protests down there, and they get some good turnouts, but it looked yeah. absolutely packed. Yeah, I saw a lot of great GFOPs out there. I saw uh, Anthony Brindisi, Assembly Brindisi. I saw, mm-hmm. sorry, Congressman Brindisi, pardon me. Uh, I saw Delvin Moody, GFOP mm-hmm. Delvin Moody down there. Um, I was really proud that I saw, I mean, they had masks on, but I know my kids well enough that I could recognize their faces even with masks on. I saw a couple of my students Hell yeah. who were down there, and that made me mm-hmm. very proud, and then also even more guilt-ridden that I myself did not go but yeah i mean i, I don't know i feel like a shithead but it is what mm-hmm. it is. i mean um and i think also uh i don't know if you saw some of the places it was really encouraging did you see the schenectady police Mm-mm. so then schenectady i think it was yesterday the day before the police out there were out taking knees with the protesters and holding yeah. signs and going hand in hand walking and marching mm-hmm. with them like the full schenectady like police department was out there that's really cool and it was really cool because 20 years i think it was like about 20 years ago schenectady faced the police department faced multiple lawsuits about discrimination mm-hmm. and racial profiling and had to pay a ton of money and got like you know really like got found guilty of doing a lot of this stuff and now 20 years later they've come so far that they're out there marching with them and that's the stuff you love to see. You know, like you say, if you if it's just a few bad cops making all the good mm-hmm. cops look bad, then the good cops have to stand up and stand on the side of the people, and you have to do something to root out these bad cops that you have. You know what I mean? Because if they're the problem, then that's what you guys have to root out. They have to take the lead in that. You know? Nobody else can do it for them. Yeah. I mean, uh, it just it feel, everything feels so systemic. It feels so hard to break through. Just Well, and everybody's so... I mean, people are mad about everything, too. It's been such a yeah. wild three years, and people have been cooped up for like three months in their houses yeah. now, and people have so much anxiety Big and weird energy pie. and stuff like that. It's uh, it's absolutely wild um, times. Do you want to talk about Twitter for a second before we move on? Because I want to move on to some other stuff. Sure. Uh, I just want to talk quickly about Twitter and the fact-checking thing with Trump. I don't know oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Trump's been on a rampage for the last few weeks tweeting from the bunker. From more and more and more and more, yeah. Uh, but he got fact-checked for the first time on mm-hmm. Twitter, where they didn't block him necessarily. They put, like, it's like a little exclamation point or whatever. Yeah, it saying, hey, here's some more, there might be some misleading stuff yeah. here, here's some more information. He did not like this. Uh, he's seemingly pretty angry about it, wants to crack down on what social media companies are allowed to do or what you're allowed to say on mm-hmm. them. Sure. Although... Twitter's a private company, is it not? No, he's like, dead. He's, it's just, yeah. I think Jack Dorsey can do whatever he wants. It's a, it's, it's a big, it's a big fat baby soiling his diaper. Yeah. Is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, he, I think it's really telling, and I would like an answer for, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who, who really is still like a supporter of this guy. So after Twitter fact-checked him, it took him less than 48 hours to sign an executive order to say that like they can't do that. And just firing off some wild yeah. stuff that's not mm-hmm. even really applicable. But for over two months, he didn't address the the coronavirus. And I don't know how you, you justify those two things in your head and yeah. how you think those two things are like, you know, and you look at what this guy actually cares about when he actually does. Like, 
the Emperor has no clothes, and if you don't see it, you're either lying or stupid. I don't know what to say. Well, then Zuckerberg was the other one today who came out and he's like, "Oh, we don't have to fact check anything," so people are just yeah, putting up Zuckerberg, wild rumors about Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg out needs to go back to the Andromeda Galaxy <laughs> where his robot mainframe was built and sent over here because we have had enough here in the Milky Way. Uh, I have, um, I have two very quick uh, big mads. Again, we'll do Big Mad again this week because uh, people seem Big Mad again. Mm. Lots of stuff this week. Uh, both of them relate to what we've been talking about already, though. Okay. Uh, first one, do you know who Stephanie Pratt is? Familiar with Stephanie Pratt? Mm, that name sounds really familiar, yeah. Stephanie Pratt uh, was on the show Hill's New Beginnings. Mm, Spencer Pratt's sister. There you go. Yeah, that sounds yeah, like yeah. someone. Yeah, Heidi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she got uh, some bad press this uh, today because she was out here promoting the shoot the looters advice that mm. Trump had so callously put up on Twitter that caused right. this, this thing. Uh, turns out, though, that people remember stuff that happens because the internet exists. Mm. Uh, and a couple years ago, Stephanie Pratt got arrested for shoplifting. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple things. Uh, and apparently has had a history of shoplifting from, like, high-end stores. So, yeah. maybe, maybe not, maybe not shoot the looters. Yo, be here's your... another thing, too, that I don't think I mentioned earlier. <laughs> These people, you want to get mad about, like, violent protests and rah-rah saying what you're saying. Like, number one, besides the fact that no amount of property damage is ever the same as the loss of yeah, life. I've heard that It's just property too, damage, you, you bootlicking animals. But, like, furthermore, they're sitting here like, oh, nothing's ever achieved by violent protests. This country was literally started when we threw almost $2 million worth of tea into the Boston mm-hmm. Harbor. Yep. Absolutely. The Boston Tea Party is is the, violent looting I mean, and protesting and whatever and property <laughs> destruction. As a, they named a party after, and we're this. taught about. I mean, we talk about the Boston Tea Party all the time. The whole Tea Party, all that. These people love it. Like, so where's the love for that? As a history teacher, yeah, the lack of ability for people to look back at what was happened in our own country and learn from it gives me. Heartburn and Ajita in a way that I can't describe to you on oh, a yeah. daily basis. Oh, no, I understand. It makes me so angry. I'm right there with you, my friend. Maybe deeply, that's why we're friends. Because deeply, I know deeply exactly angry. Because it's just like, I, I, here's oh. what happened. When I was a young oh, man, sway. when I was a young man, and I was in my young man playing band days, you heard our whole two-part podcast about it. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you learn from the things you do wrong, and then you move forward. You change. You become a better person if you don't like the things you did, right? Mm. Or you double down on them, you become a shitty person. And these, these are the two options, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. So many people have chosen the shitty, the double down on the shitty parts of my personality. Uh, so people, it's there's a couple different things. It's you're either too arrogant to admit that you were wrong, you're too ashamed yeah. to admit that you were wrong, you're too stupid to know that you admit that you were wrong. If you don't think you're one of those three, then you're just one of the ones that's too stupid. Speaking of people who are too stupid, nobody ever wants to admit that they're wrong. It's it's no. tough, you know. I struggled with it on things in my own Stunning. life. I've been wrong. It's hard to cop to when you're wrong. It's I'm wrong all the time. Nobody wants to admit that. <laughs> True story. I'm constantly wrong. You know why? Because you need to learn things. If you're yeah, yeah. wrong, then you figure out what it is you got wrong. What's that old? What's the old rule on the internet where they say the quickest way to get an answer to something is to post a wrong answer yeah. about it? Uh, the other person who were big mad at this week is YouTuber Jake Paul. You familiar with Jake Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Jake Paul was among a crowd of people, uh, the looters at a Fashion Square Mall in Scottsdale, Arizona, yeah. using it to promote his YouTube brand, of course. Sure. Uh, but of course, he claims that he was doing it to document everything. Yeah, of course. Uh, people were mad at him for using this disaster to promote his YouTube mm-hmm. brand. As they should be, because it's gross. Pretty gross. Pretty gross. Not surprising in any way, though. I feel like YouTube... It's, people in YouTube do whatever they want. Like, this is the same guy who sent himself to the suicide forest, is he not? So or is either, that his it was brother? either him or his brother, yeah. His shitty I brother? I don't know. It's wild. This, the YouTube... 
the YouTube thing is one of the things where I've started to like feel my age. As oh, I get dude, older, dude, like the whole dude, YouTube world and culture dude. is one of the things where I start to be like, oh wow, <laughs> culture is really sort of passing me by because I don't really understand what it is about about all these folks. You know what I mean? That like young people are like they have such passionate opinions about like these YouTube <laughs> vloggers, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. I guess I'm you know I'm going gray. Um, that was tough. This was a tough section. Um, we'll do something fun. And it's tough of the show. because and like we. We can barely pay, you know, pay it justice here too. You no, know what of I mean? course. Like you say, like with uh, with everything that you see, people have to just continue. It sucks and it's hard. And, you know, make sure your mental health stays good, but you have to keep plugging in and paying attention and participating because well, this is silence is violence this at this is, point. Well, this is one of those things. Like I don't, I struggle every week with how we should present this show. How people. serious we should how take serious this serious we're taking stuff. this show. Yeah. What are we laughing about? What are we not laughing about? Do you know what I mean? But sometimes things happen on this in the world where I feel like we have to talk about them, even though we are not the 100%. most two yeah, yeah. qualified people yeah. to talk about them, because Definitely. that's the way it goes, right? This is all anyone's talking about. Yeah. Anywhere we go, so why and pretend that we're so. not having and a conversation? So, about furthermore, yeah, else you yeah, for sure. You're gonna pretend it's not happening. Uh, but for the rest of the show, we'll try and do some more fun stuff. I think Kate or Justin or. Both of them. Someone from Maiden Utica is coming here. Somebody's coming. We're going to do a section about board games. I spent a lot of time doing my my build-up on board games. I was trying to find something that's pretty universally well-received by people. Yeah, yeah. People like board games. So I got a bit about board games as well as talk a little bit to... Hopefully Kate gets here because I got some questions. I haven't talked to Kate in a while. Nice to hear how she's doing. Uh, Because they're back to work over there at New York Stash. So I want to see how she's responding to going back to phase two work. That's true. Uh, All right. Give me a more from this cold brew while we go on a break. Yeah, yeah. more glass. We'll be back to the show in just a moment, This is gonna be a really meta interview section now, isn't it? We already we talked about how we recorded the rest of the show, waiting for interviews to come in. Oh, now Charlie wants to talk. Hi, Charlie. Uh, and now they're not here, so it's just you and me again, Kev. But people aren't gonna know that because they're gonna get to the next section of the podcast, which we recorded previously. I don't know. This is gonna be a big mess. Surprise! It's me. <laughs> uh, so after after whatever the hell happens here. You'll hear the third segment where we'll talk about how this segment was something else, but it's not that. It's, it's me. not that. It's not that. This is the the joys of. Uh, we're doing like a Westworld thing. We're on like different timelines, and we're gonna like jump around and reference different things, and just no no real rhyme or reason. Uh, this is our Pulp Fiction episode. We're gonna jump through timelines back and forth and go out of sequence. Uh, so, because of all the heavy stuff we talked about in section segment one, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I, again, I'm glad we talked about it. I wanted to talk about it. I actually felt a little more, I uh, felt better after we talked about everything. It feels good to talk it's about It's always things. good to talk. It feels good to talk about things. Good to talk with little head pals. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, but I had planned on doing something with Justin uh, and or Kate where we were going to talk about our, I told them to come up with their top five board games. Oh, uh, I see. Uh, because I figured that's pretty... That's pretty evergreen content, board games. 
You love evergreen content. A little I insider do. term for those of you out there. Evergreen content means something you can record and play at any time. Anytime, yeah. It's not time sensitive. Not yeah, non time sensitive unless there's some new twenty twenty board game that's storming the the globe. Whatever, man. <laughs> uh but I had come up with a list of my top five board games. And then because I'm a maniac, I also came up with my list of bottom five mm-hmm. board games. Um, I had some questions about board games that I was going to press with uh, with the lads. But I guess I'll press them with you. So here's a couple things. Is a puzzle a board game? No. It's a whole different no, subculture. Yeah, a, a whole different thing. Yeah. whole different thing. What about Uno? Is Uno a board game? This uh, is an important uh, question. It's a card game. Okay. Because I think Uno, if I was counting it in this list, might be in the top. Not a board game. But not a board game. <laughs> card game. Okay. Have board. You have to have a board. So, okay. It can't be so, a board right, game right, without right, the board. Right, it's in right. the title. Okay. So let me ask you this question. Yeah, yeah. What about, like, apples to apples? Is not a board game. Card not game. a board game. It's a card game. I think when I think of card game, my first initial thought is games you would play with a deck of cards like poker or blackjack or war or pitch or something you would Correct. play Correct, those with. are also card games. I guess I don't think about like a card game that's specific for one game. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I guess you're right. So I didn't I didn't put any card games on my list, mind you. Right, because it's a board game. Because this, is... <laughs> this is... Correct. Is this the interview you wanted? <laughs> are you getting the interview you wanted? No. <laughs> uh... So, uh, I won't make you come up with a list of your top five board games, mm. because we didn't really have time to go over it. Um, but we can break down my top five if you have takes on them, and we can run through some of the ones that didn't make the cut for me. If you Yeah, need. I'll try not to step on the takes, because when we did record the third segment earlier, we talked about thinking we were going to have this conversation with them. Yeah. So, I know I did mention some of the games on your list, but we can definitely dig into it, being okay. conscious of that. Uh, so, number five for me, and this mm. is, again, a controversial one, because mm. it's not necessarily a board game, is mm. Yahtzee. And you rolled your eyes when I mentioned this to you later. Yeah. Is Yahtzee, I guess, again, you're getting into dice game territory. Although, when I was a kid, Yahtzee came with a like a tray that you were supposed to roll the dice into. Mm. And I guess, I don't know if that makes It doesn't make it. So, a, did it come with a tray or did it come with a board? A tray. It's a tray game. A tray game. <laughs> okay. Or a dice game. So, already. We'll also accept cupcake. <laughs> Perhaps cupcake. So, already... Yahtzee is a misnomer. I should take it off my list. We're focusing on boards. <laughs> okay. So then I will take Yahtzee <laughs> from number five, and I will move it uh, up. What's cool about Yahtzee is that it's kind of like poker, the way that it's five dice and the hands are stacked, like three of a kind, full house, that kind of stuff, that some of the hands play out the same way, like pairs. Yeah. Um, and I said it, I don't know if I said this I like already. a dice game. Yahtzee was a big game that my, my family would have around the house. Mm. I think there's something uh, immediate about dice that you don't get For with. sure. Like, 100%. when you play CeeLo, there's a, there's a real... And this is not something where this is not a game... This is almost a game of luck, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Is there any skill involved at all in Yahtzee now that I'm thinking about it? I guess just math, Coming, right? yeah. Like, odds, knowing your odds, I guess. Being is awake. A... <laughs> Being awake. <laughs> just showing, all right. showing up sassy. So, I'll all. kick Yahtzee off the list, and I'll put my original number one back on the list, because... Here's some meta things. I took this totally off my list because I assumed Justin would put it on his list. I see. Right? Okay. Uh, but I'll move back on. So number five, Trivial Pursuit, which uh, is a really cool game. It's fun. It's super long. It's why it's not higher up mm. on my list. It seems like... Trivial Pursuit is one of those games that I've played in the past where I feel like I'm very much like 
you're playing, and then towards the end, when it's time to finish the game and win, it just goes on forever. You want it to be over. It takes a really long time to finish because yeah. you got to get those last couple like specific color pieces in your thing and get to them and answer the right question. Uh, True Pursuit. Uh, I mentioned the Zeb's thing in the later part of the story, so I'll ignore that for now. Trivial Pursuit suffers from a problem that you'll see with Monopoly, though, mm. where Trivial Pursuit got into a thing where it's like, okay, we have regular Trivial Pursuit. Now we have genius level Trivial Pursuit. Now it's just sports Trivial Pursuit. Now it's right. just like, okay, now we've overextended our brand here. Trivial Pursuit as a game was made for the more digital internet age, as you can get all the different questions and different styles. Like now you could get one Trivial Pursuit app or something like that and play the 90s version the sports version the master version the you know phd version it's funny you say that because i've i've noticed you see a lot of transition of board games to mobile games over the last few years i mean words with friends is scrabble and uh what was the one where you were drawing it was essentially pictionary Mm. uh it was like draw draw with friends was it called draw with friends it might have been yeah. That was one I was already into, actually, for a while. Mm. Uh, but I'm surprised that none of these... Co- I'm surprised Uno hasn't been like, here's a free app so you can play Uno with your friends and you can make money on... they want you to buy it. They like our transactions. PlayStation. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm surprised... Because I went looking for Clue mm-hmm. on uh, on my phone not too long ago because Clue's kind of a fun game to play on your phone. But there was no... It's like $6 or whatever it was. Like, no, thank you. I don't yeah, want to play no, it that I bad. That. Uh, I'll move on to number four. Battleship. Which is mm, kind of a... Um, classic. I don't think this is a super popular game now. I don't think people mention Battleship all Maybe that not now, much. no. People have forgotten. I spe- Ships in the Navy aren't the same way they were when Battleship came out. I specifically had Electronic Battleship. Mm. As opposed to just the regular thing. And it was a pain because you had to... Essentially, you had to program in where your ships were on a little computer mm. on the game. In like 1990. So you could tell how user-friendly it was. Right. But if you get through that whole process, it was cool because it had sound effects, right? Mm-hmm. So you would type in your number, like, B4, and you'd press a, a little button on the thing, and it would make a torpedo sound. It would be like, Dee! Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And then sometimes you'd have the explosion, mm-hmm. but sometimes you wouldn't. And man, I love that. But yeah. That was the coolest thing. Uh, Battleship, though, again, you can't really... You, if you update it too much, it kind of loses its charm. There's nothing to do. There's yeah. To update really, like you could add the bells and whistles, but I mean the game is so simple. You can play that game with a piece of paper. You don't even really need the board if you wanted to. The concept of the simple is wow. is exceptionally simple. Isn't that how it started? I believe I, I Battleship started as a sure. pen and paper game. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, number three, mm. Scrabble. Mm, classic. Uh, Scrabble makes easily me... a contender for number one. I almost had it at one. I almost had it at one. I think I knocked it down specifically for nostalgia and impact for mm. uh, for each of the next two choices specifically. Mm. Scrabble is a game where I think I'm a relatively clever guy yeah. most of the time, but Scrabble will make me feel stupid. Mm, it's true. Really, really easy to feel like an idiot for me playing Scrabble, right. especially when you get some bad letters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you get stuck out there. It's hard. Ease. <laughs> it's hard. Uh, what's your, what's your, you seem like you'd be good at Scrabble. What's your strategy? Uh, just domination. I mean, get to the edge of the board as fast as you can, get those triple word scores, try to feast on every single one of them. That's a great one. Give me those deep red squares. Yeah, the, the triple word scores are really what you're talking. You gotta hit, board knowledge is mm-hmm. key for Scrabble. Um, also, if you can get, I got to a point yeah, where triple I was, word score. Yeah. I got to a point, though, where I was playing so much, I think it was Words with Friends is what we were talking about. 
I knew all of like the two letter keywords. I was like, yes. I was in the bank on yes. all of these like high scoring two letter mm-hmm. words. Uh, I Scrabble is that can be tough. Some so if you're playing Scrabble sometimes with um, if people who are playing Scrabble mm. at different levels of vocabulary. Sometimes yes. it can be frustrating to be like, no, I promise you that's, like, what I'm spelling is a thing. Well, that's, that's where... That's legit. Well, that's the, the, the impartial jury of the mobile app is helpful. Because well, now we have yeah. it. Yeah, like, growing yeah. up playing Scrabble. I remember, like, I remember playing Scrabble in my neighborhood with, like, my friends when I was younger. And I was definitely a bigger reader than any of the kids in my neighborhood. Yeah. And there would be a lot of times I come up with some word and kids are like, that's not a word. I don't know what that is. I'm like, I, I promise that's a word. But, like, we didn't have, you know, Google or whatever right there to look it up. Yeah, I guess now it's all... There's probably just an, a Scrabble dictionary that they have. Like, they probably keep their own... I mean, that's the thing, anyway. You could buy one of those back in the day. Yes, in the 90s, you could go buy the book if you wanted a Scrabble official dictionary. Um, number two is a game called Othello. Othello uh, the, is a classic, an underrated classic. Uh, I've just found out today that apparently Othello goes by another name. And yeah. I don't remember what it is, like Rapidi or... Reverse Eye. Re- mm-hmm. So you may know the game under that name yeah, i had yeah, it in an old 70s looking box that said bla- yeah, yeah. On the it. black and the white chips that you turn by putting your different color at the oh. end of a line this was my mom's great favorite phone app game. i played on my phone yep this was my mom's favorite game which we're not allowed to talk about yes um can't talk about my grandfather loved this game as well yeah he was really good at it uh but i have this game floating around i had mm. it in my like school supplies actually i wonder where it is now did i mm. leave it at proctor, Must be at proctor. could be anyway uh, that game I brought to work with me for the kids because we would have a lot of like board right, games. Right. I was shocked how popular it got. Like really quickly, like yeah, the kids yeah. figured it out and mm-hmm. were in on it. And of all the games I brought, I brought a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was the one. Well, because it plays to like the the immediacy of like almost like sports, right? Because you're going out there and like you drop a whole line, like you have those moments where the momentum shifts and you can like get somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have that turn to turn. Sort of like strategy. I mean, it's a really easy, simple game to understand with a low barrier for being pretty good at it. Like, if you get into it and you play a couple games, you can pretty yeah. quickly be good enough to compete with anybody else who's playing. Yeah, I think, if I remember correctly, the tagline on the box from the 1980s, whatever it was, was like, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Oh, yeah. Deep stuff from the Othello people. Why Othello? Why do they... Oh, who knows? I wonder why. Who I'd knows? have to look that up. And number one... I mean, it's Monopoly, right? It's the number one most ubiquitous, most important board game of of all the board games. Mm. It's the game that I hate to play mm-hmm. until someone asked me to play it. And then mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I'll play Monopoly. And then within 45 mm-hmm. minutes, I regret it. But I think there's so many... It's so iconic. And I've had a lot of fun playing it with lots of people, specifically mm-hmm. my family, mm-hmm. that I've gotten past a lot of the... Mm. Like, the... I, I just think it's such a weirdly mm. important game. I know you have you mm. don't like Monopoly. You're shaking mm. your head. Whether it's important or not important, whether I like it or not, or, or you know, besides the point, I've played Monopoly, it's fine. Um, here's my thing. There's nothing you can tell me about the game Monopoly that the game Monopoly does that's not 100% better in the game of life. A great call. Uh, the game of life is the same. You're going around the board, you're collecting money, building this life, going through, doing the thing, but it's like way less depressingly horrible than Monopoly as an actual end. It's like fun. It makes you have joy with the people you're with instead of hate the people you're with. Uh, Everything Monopoly does, the game of life does better. Yes, and they're both long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find this, 
the lack the of... The game of life has an end point, though. You get to the end of the board, and that's the end. You're not just circling around that thing until you're not friends with one of your friends anymore. Like, that's sort of the joy of Monopoly. Where's the joy? Uh, so life is an interesting one. I have like an, I had life in my honorable mentions list. Mm. That was another game I brought with me to school. It was popular not with my high schoolers, but my middle schoolers. They liked it. That's fair. Problem with life that the middle schoolers found out is that it takes another game that takes a pretty decent amount of time. To Longer get to than a, full, a class period. Yeah, which, is, which becomes a problem there. Yeah. 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 I feel like the game of life could be very... They probably have this product, actually, as I say it, but could be due for a modernized update, like a modern game of life sure in the 21st do. century. They probably do. Well, they tried to do the updated Monopoly. It was like millennial Whack. Monopoly, and people were mad. Yeah. They hated it. Um, all right, so here's my here's my top five worst games. Um, and I've talked about one of these with you already. You said you liked it. Number five was Sorry. Uh, I oh, actually, Sorry is classic. Sorry is the top five all-the-time Hall of Fame board game. I like watching people play Sorry, uh-huh. but when I was a kid, me and my older cousins desperately teased my younger cousin playing the game Sorry and made him mad and got mm-hmm. him angry all the time, but I still feel bad about it. So I have like residual mm-hmm. guilt for making my cousin cry well, playing, <laughs> playing the game of Sorry. It really is a game meant to... You talk about a game meant to infuriate people, though. Mm-hmm. And this is another game like Candyland like the next game we're going to get to on my list, where there is no, it's no skill. It's all luck of the draw. There's no, like, um, there's no creative edge to it. Like, you can't, like, barter or bargain like Monopoly. Well, sure, yeah, but you get to pick which piece to move and where they move and what your strategy is for getting your guys around the board and, like, jumping them back, moving back well, a couple spaces so you can get in first. Yeah, a little more than the next one on my list, yeah, which yeah. is sort of in the same vein. Number four, that's Trouble. Trouble. Pop-O-Matic Trouble, yeah, which you remember? Course. It's fun getting into trouble. <laughs> fun getting into trouble. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of the same game, actually. A little they're bit. They're very yeah. similar in terms of... Trouble is like for little kids who are too young to play sorry. Yeah. It's trouble. The dice is trouble. in the thing, so they can't eat it. I think that's only Popmatic trouble. I think before that, it was a game with regular dice. Oh, yeah, that's back when they had lead in the paint. That was a different time. <laughs> uh, number three on my least favorite list. This is going to get a lot of hate. Uh, Connect Four. I do not oh, like really? it. Why not? Are you bad at it? A little bad at it. Okay. But also, That's I feel fair. like it's a game that either goes way too long or is over immediately. Mm. I very rarely have a good game of Connect Four. That being said, if you go to that place in the mall, was it Pins? Yeah, yeah. They have Connect Four with basketball, which is really clever. Yeah. That's all right. That seems cool. That seems fun. Connect Four, though, I've had a bad. I, it's not much of a game for me. Is is that a board? I mean, it's uh Seems like a board. If a scoreboard is a board, that's a board. It's a gaming apparatus, right? Like, it's meant for this one specific purpose. Apparatus games. Yeah. Well, okay, so, like, you wouldn't use a Connect 4 for anything, board for anything but Connect 4. Much like a Monopoly board is specifically for Monopoly. You know what I'm saying? G.I. Like, Joes can climb a Connect 4 board as a wall or fence to penetrate into different areas. You may have built a fort in other places in your room. Yeah, Godzilla can walk through the life... Uh, board game as a place to stomp on houses. 100%. So I don't know if you guys knew that one. Uh, number two, uh, Risk. Yeah. Yeah, Risk uh, is a tough one for I've me. Never, I feel like I might like Risk if I tried really? to play it. But I feel like every time I tried to play it, I was way too young to mm-hmm. grasp what was happening. Yeah. Um, I've never tried it with like the eyes of like you know an adult who might have the bandwidth and capacity for it. And number one, which is not a surprise to you because we're going to talk about it again in the third segment, is a game I've always hated. Um, I call this the stress 
section of games, uh, this would be Operation. Yeah. God, do I hate Operation. Terrible. Always the sound, mm -hmm. the stupid sound, whatever the one, I don't even remember the name of it, it had a stupid name. The bone that was in the guy's arm, the left arm, it was like, not the funny bone? Is it the funny bone? Yeah, maybe. God, I, every time. And you lose all the pieces, uh, the thing doesn't work, nobody knows what the hell's going on. Gotta get on. it inside the thing, you're just looking through the cards, looking for whatever. You don't play the game properly either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've always hated Operation. I um, never understood why it was fun to stress myself up. There's a lot of games like this. Perfection, as I mentioned, is a... Mm -hmm. That's the one where you get the different shapes and you plug them in the holes before the timer goes off and knocks all the pieces off into the air. Yeah, yeah. That was a crummy one. Um, shout out to the game Crossfire. Yo, you'll get caught up in the Crossfire. Yo. That was shout a out to Crossfire. Great game. Uh, so, yeah. So, sorry, Trouble Connect 4 Risk Operation. That was my... Least favorite top five. Great stuff. I really like Clue when I was young. Clue was a big one. Yeah, so I'll run through some of this stuff. Clue's on the list. Clue, okay, so I loved Clue. Clue yeah. was in the running for top five here, but I have not played it in such a long time. Because mm. I, one, my mom didn't like it. My family, mm. it was not popular with my sisters. It's not like, it's not, oh, well, I have to write one more down real quick. Sorry. Okay, great. Uh, Clue. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so Clue. I think I've been playing it wrong for years. Because I went to look today when I was doing research for this about the instructions for Clue. It's a little more complicated than I thought it was. Huh. Like, apparently, when you, I'm not going to dig into every detail here, but I went and watched a video about this. Apparently, the pieces that are on the board, right? Like, the, the knife and the, the noose and the whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to use those to make suggestions about who you think it is. They're not just markers. Like, when you walk into the billiard room, you're not supposed to say, I think that it was Professor Plum in the billiard room with the knife. You're supposed to go in there, take the Professor Plum character, mm -hmm. put it in the room, put the knife in the room, and then have somebody, like, correct you if you're wrong. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, I think that's, you move the, you move the character. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that you could just pick up the character and move him across the other side if you're yeah, yeah. in suspicion of them mm -hmm. yeah you bring them in to yeah. confront them also the last time I played it with a friend who will remain nameless it was again they gotta stop with this where it's like a an IP connected to a game like Super Mario Brothers Monopoly or mm -hmm. you know, this was like I won't I won't put this person on blast but it was Clue based on the television show Supernatural and I was like I can't get behind this I don't no, know no, no, I, it's no, like no. where are all the classic characters where are all the classic characters I love like like Mr. Crap. Mustard yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and Professor Plum. Mm -hmm. Who's your Who's your clue guy? Um, I think I like Professor Plum. Professor Plum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's the Mr. Green? Mr. Green. Mr. Green. Uh, I was like Colonel Mustard as a kid, but but now as I get older, I'm kind of I'm off Colonel Mustard. Okay. The yellow. It's the bad color. That's fair. Not your color. Not my color. I see. Uh, so I clues almost made the list. Guess who I played a lot as a kid, but has lost a lot. Guess of. who? Yeah, polarizing. Yeah. Guess who's polarizing. You had a lot of fights in Guess Who, too. I didn't. I never really enjoyed Guess Who that much. Um, when we used to, at a place I worked at, we had a little board game cabinet. It was a bar where you could get the board games and play them, though. Guess Who was super popular. Yeah. One yep. of the most popular yep. games at the bar. Easy. Uh, Real quick. You can sit across from each other. You can bullshit each other. You can, you know what I mean? Yeah. Talk trash. Have fun with it. I mean, I wonder if this is a board game, too. Uh, Jenga, in the same vein, there was a mm. bar in New York that I used to go I to remember. all the time. I went to the Levy. That's right. You came to the Levy mm -hmm. with me. Uh they used to just put Jenga out in the bar for people to play while they were having drinks and 
free cheese balls and Jenga. It became a big thing. Almost any outdoor event you go to now, like yeah. if you go to any sort of brewery that's got like a you know a yard or a tap room yeah. space or whatever, you're always playing giant Jenga. Well, I wouldn't say it's easy to do to make it, but it's, it's it relatively is, it's super easy. easy. Yeah. Super easy. When we made it when I was at the brewery, yeah. we literally made it out of two by fours, yeah. just cut them to size. A uh, couple games that I really liked that were not super popular. Uh, Balderdash was a really cool well, game. I remember that. What is that? Okay. Who did I play that with? Maybe it probably was me somewhere along the way. Sure. Yeah, I really like that game. It's floating around here somewhere. Uh, Balderdash, the idea of the game is you get a word. They'll give you a word. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll just give you one that I've seen before. Archaeopteryx. Sure. Okay? And... I have the, that's the word on the card, and I'm the guy who pulled the card. Mm. So, we all have pieces of paper, we all have pencils. Mm. You have to come up with what you think that word is. Like a definition Mm. of that word that would fool everyone else at the table. And everyone does this except me, who writes the real definition of what the word is. In this case, Mm. a prehistoric bird, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then you would go through and you would read all of the the things that people came up Mm. with. And you get points based on who picked your answer. I see. It's a really simple game, and it's not always fun. It depends on who you've decided to play with. Yeah, it's that makes really, sense. Really, really specifically, sense. like based it's on. That's how a lot of those kind of games, especially the yeah. wordy games, are. You got to be a little more discerning in like who you want to play them with. Um, I don't like Candyland. That was next on my list. Never liked it again. I liked it when I was a kid because I really liked the you like a super young kid though. Yes. That was like the first board game I ever played um, was probably Candyland. But I was gonna say had this board game, didn't like it as a board game. But when I was a kid, we had an Apple computer like yeah. back in the era before internet, obviously like uh, with the mm-hmm. yes. And Candyland was the only game that I had for the computer, so I played a ton of Candyland for the Apple computer mm. in like 1989 right, right. so shout out to to candy um who's the guy who's the guy the jerk at the end the licorice guy larry licorice uh, lord, some... Licor- lord licorice lord licorice yeah, yeah. that's my guy lord licorice <laughs> and the, the much like that shoots and ladders too was another one kind uh, of hand in hand with candy land that was on the lists that i saw when i was doing yeah. my research for this I, I did i missed that one because you i played, walked right past it i remember playing a bit of it when i was younger but it felt like an older game even back then kind mm. of you know what i mean here's one that was popular in my house that i never liked scategories Scategories. Yeah, I've played some categories. So categories essentially, uh, you get a sheet with like categories on it, and you roll a dice, yeah. and it has like letters on it. So the letters mm. S, you have to think. Again, no board, more of a tray. Uh, yeah, not a tray. So much like a memory word game. Pictionary is a game I hate. Uh-huh. Uh, I know that that feels like something I would like, but I do not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need too much stuff to make it. You need like For a... sure. Uh, and then Twister, and then uh, the last one I was gonna bring up is a game that my sisters made me play. Again, I am. I'm 34. My sisters are within a decade of me on the other side. I'll leave it at that. Uh, And they had a game in the 90s called Electronic Mall Madness. And Mm. it was a game where... Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing commercials for that game when I was a kid. (laughs) It's like a little mall that you would build up. It was all 3D. Mm And it had all these stores, and you had to go to the different stores and get a bunch of different stuff, and you had to walk around, and you had a credit card that you had to go and recharge at the bank, and it would talk to you, and it had, like, it was in that special era when you could get, like, a couple things recorded on audio. Yeah. And uh, and every now and then it would just make announcements and be like, there is a sale at the kitchen Mm -hmm. store. And you're like, oh, I gotta go to the kitchen store and get this sale. It's a terrible game. 
Like, I think I wrote a blog remember, post about this. I remember games. I remember some other games from TV when we were young. Weird games targeting girls, like Girl Talk and stuff like that. Where like Girl Talk, the whole, it's like a weird board game, but like you're dating. Yep. So like you're yep. like, oh, we gotta roll the dice to see if we're gonna go see Dylan or Brandon this weekend down at the mall. I'm just like, what the hell? What's what is this? Yeah, that's that, uh, that's like this the natural evolution of like weird mystery time. date, right? Mm, like, right. Yeah, yeah. Here's one that we had. It was not even a game. It was something called Ask Xandar. Uh. And Xandar was a magician inside of a crystal ball. Mm. And he was essentially a fancy magic eight ball. And you would ask Xandar questions, and Xandar would answer them. And it was pretty lame. But again, I thought it was cool when I was five. What do you know about Parcheesi? Not a thing. That was another thing that popped up on the list. Uh, has another name, like Ludo, people yeah, also probably. call it. Yeah. Not for me, dog. Backgammon as well. Miss me. Miss me with the backgammon. Not interested. Uh, we'll talk a bit about chess later on, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I like chess. I, is the classic. What about Chinese checkers? We know about Chinese checkers. Chinese checkers nothing. are a lot of fun. You know what? I'm actually not good at. Uh, it's funny too. When I was doing the research for this list, I was like top ten board games. And you know what I got when I looked up top ten board games? What'd you get? All like tabletop games. You know yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about? So like Cones of Dunshire. Settlers of Catan, Cones, Cones of Dunshire. Of Dunshire. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, well, this is not what I'm People looking for. People say they're for. so much fun. I'm sure I they just, are. Yeah, we yeah. have Settlers of Catan floating around somewhere. And sure. that was on all these lists. I think lists we use it as a doorstop. I think it's floating. Yeah. Shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I went, like, classic board games. And then that's what I got, was all, like, Parcheesi and Chinese checkers. So I remember I, they had Parcheesi at my grandmother's at one of my grandmother's houses. It was, like, the only board game there. And so yeah. we would play it sometimes just to figure it out, but it was a weird, weird game. Um, we'll talk a little bit later on in the third section about a subculture of games from the 90s where it was, like, adventure games, like Tornado Rex and stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's one I also remember called Dynamite Bridge, mm. where you were a little adventurer and you have to walk across a bridge, and if you roll the wrong dice, there was like a plunger on the top, and it would blow mm. one of the bridges up. And if similar to Forbidden Bridge, then probably very similar kind of vibes. Sense. There's also, and I'll end on this one, I think, and then we can. In if we're not talking about card games, we'll do a whole separate issue about card games. Okay. Um, there's also a game I played as a kid. You might remember it called. Hungry Hungry Hippos. Oh, Are you familiar of course. Of with... course, Hungry Hungry Hippos. Yeah, <laughs> Do you yeah. like Hungry Hungry Hippos? Yeah, Hungry Hungry Hippos is great. It's a blast. You know what I found out about Hungry Hungry Hippos when you have a niece and nephew? What? It's loud. Yeah. It's the loudest loud. game of all the super games. Super loud. Clack, clack. <laughs> um, I wish I had my phone on me. I left it in the room charging. Um, I'm glad we did this because in 2011, I would yeah. say, when I had my blog still. Do you remember my blog? I do. Yeah, John Wilkes blog, which I, I think blogspot.com. If any of you losers want to go take a look at all my terrible articles, mm-hmm. I want to think. I think one of the last things I did was like my top ten favorite board games, mm. uh, and I didn't. And I'm now looking back at it, I, I didn't do the research for it. And some of the stuff I mentioned didn't make this list. Nah, that's right. Shark Attack, Mirror Shark Attack. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Mall Madness was number one, obviously back then. Uh, I'm trying, and the Nightmare, which I've talked about in the past before. Nightmare was an interactive board game that had a VHS tape that went with it. Do you remember the Happy Days board game? Yo, hey, <laughs> nerd. Fonzie says you, you need the... two cool points. <laughs> the Happy Days board game. We, that got thrown out, didn't it? I don't even remember. Shut I can't up. remember now where that game even came up. Shout out to GFOP uh, Aaron Velarde. Go back and listen to his episode of the show when he was on. Because um, mm. we might—I don't know if we talked about Happy Days board game, but yeah. he was a big 
He was the big reason that Who game was so much. game? Where was that, that game? That was uh, Fable and the Wookiee legend, Dano Avisato. Uh He had that it was in his, his spot. house. Yeah, on yeah. Pro- yeah, yeah. Yep, prospect yep. house. Good times. Oh, man. Good times. So, board games. Uh, are board games still a thing that people get into? Like, kids still seem to like the old board games, but do people yeah. make new... You see a lot of, like, dumb, like, pie-in-the-face board games now, I feel sure. like. A lot yeah. of that kind of thing. But you don't see people coming up with new, like... There's no new life board game, like an original style. I, I feel like it's all either retreads of older versions of games. Yeah. Or I feel like we're really heavy in, like, the card game world now. Sure. Like, Cards Against Humanity, I feel like, mm-hmm. changed the game because it's so much easier to produce something like that. It's than easier it is, to send uh, a deck of cards on a board. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Uh... All right, I think that's it. I think we've hit all the... I'm sure we could go for another hour on board games, even without my research. But, sure. Uh, anything you think we missed before we move on, before I head back to Oh, uh, I'm sure it'll come to me uh, at some point. It'll probably pop into my head when I'm not being recorded. <laughs> that's fine. Oh, Skipbo. If Justin Parkinson were here, cards. he would have it's talked about Skipbo game. as a card game. It's a card game. If, I, if he comes on next year for the five-year... Next week for the five-year anniversary of episode zero, maybe I'll give him, make him give our lists, uh, his list next week. Okay. So Sounds good to me. All right. That's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go... Come back to this next segment and talk about a segment that didn't happen and pretend everything you just heard didn't happen. So it's the most meta episode we've ever done. No, it's going to be great. It's going to be fine. We appreciate you. You guys are the best. Thanks for helping us out here. This See, time. non-linear recording is what, you're, is what you've got right here. So we uh, don't know who was on. We don't know this who is was weird. On. It's like we're talking from the past or the future. It's like time travel. Well, by the time uh, by the time this show goes out, people will already know what I've given for my top five board games list mm. that I did here in the center. Okay, okay. Uh, but I'll give you my top five now since we're here talking about it. Okay. My top five were five was Yahtzee, mm. four was Trivial Pursuit, mm. three was Battleship, mm. two was Scrabble. And one was Othello. Those mm. are my top five board games. Mm. Uh, what you didn't seem pleased with a couple of those. Mm. You're not a, not a battleship guy. You don't seem excited about no, battleship. no, no. Listen, I so all you a lot of great choices in there. A lot of great choices in there. Um, Yahtzee seems wild to me. Yahtzee in the top five. That's not even really a board game. That's shooting dice. They don't even give you a board. They give you the cup and they give you a pad okay. full of score sheets. Okay, I'm not sure if we discussed this during the first part of the podcast, but I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, we'll now, see. Now maybe you will. Now maybe now we will. Go back yeah. in time to the interview <laughs> to have these points. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> um, I love Othello. I think Othello is a super underrated really board game. Really simple game. game. Yeah. Uh, Battleship is cool because it's really easy and quick to play. Uh, when I went to lunch with somebody and we were at Wanna Play Cafe up in yep. North Utica, which is great awesome. Spot. If you've never been there great spot. the food is amazing the games are super fun it's a really great place check it out um when you can but we played battleship because we're like mm-hmm. what's something easy we can play over a quick lunch or whatever so battleship is awesome um there's a lot of great games what were the other trivial pursuit is tough because it's broad there's so many different so kinds. here's why i picked Trivial pursuit this is a real particular thing when i was mm-hmm. a kid my sister used to work at zeb's restaurant yeah 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 and zeb's would put trivial r.i.p pursuit. Yeah, R.I.P. R.I.P. We'd put Trivial Pursuit cards at the table yeah, yeah. so that when you were waiting, 100%. you could play Trivial Pursuit with your with your pals or mm-hmm. your date or whatever you're there for, right? Getting Zed's original wings. Uh, 
I like the just sort of I like the idea that I get something from Trivial Pursuit. I learn something. Mm-hmm. And it's a the problem with Trivial Pursuit and why it's lower on my list is because it's pretty tough. Long game to play. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And if you and depending on what um, like kind of trivial pursuit you're playing or yeah. which version of it, there's like sometimes it's really hard. Like sometimes you get yeah. into different kinds of cards, or if you don't have the knowledge, like Scrabble, you can't answer anything. I love Scrabble. Scrabble's high on my list. I Big love Scrabble. Scrabble. Um stuff that I'm thinking about in my head that you might have missed. Did you say uh, did you say clue? So I have an honorable mentions list, which is like okay. fifteen lists long that okay. I thought we'd bring up for discussion. That's fair. I had stuff that was on that list was like Clue, Guess Who, Stratego, Boulder Dash, uh, Candyland, mm-hmm. uh, Chess and Checkers were sort of like Chess. I was gonna, I was about yeah, to chess. ride for Chess. This is yeah. as a man who just got a new yeah. Chess set. I need a board, but I just got pieces to play Chess. Um, I love to play it. And I don't play enough anymore. But that's kind of that's kind of number one for board games. Well, Monopoly's number one. I just didn't pick it. No, Monopoly's a terrible game. Yeah, but you're talking. Okay, you're talking about. The people who created Monopoly yeah. created it to be not fun and to be uh, like basically um, a critique on capitalism. The other you ones read were, about that on the internet. The other ones were Scattergories, Pictionary, Twister, and Jenga. Mm. I think Jenga is also on the verge of not being a board not game. Not being a board game. Wait, Twister. did you say Twister? I mean, it's a board. It's on the floor. You're kind a, of, that's, and you got the board. You spin. It's close. I see what they're I, doing, but we'll see what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, any games that were on there that you particularly loved as a kid growing up, board games? Um, I, I'll tell you some games I really liked. I used to have a game called Forbidden Bridge. Yes, was Forbidden amazing. Bridge. I love Forbidden Ooh. Bridge. We would play Ooh. that. Ooh. Um, it from the pit. It from Tornado so, Rex. Oh, well, you are Mouse speaking trap. my language. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you're talking about a... I, I talked about this for sure earlier. Because uh, you're going to. Because I'm going to. Right. Uh, there are certain types of board games. Okay. Two. One type of board game I hate is the frustration slash luck game. Mm. Sorry. Trouble. You are there's no skill. Oh no, sorry is one of the best games there is. Sorry, so sorry is a top five so board game. But sorry is a Hall of the, Fame board game. The games game. you're talking about, Tornado Rex, uh It from the Pit, Forbidden was the last one. Forbidden Bridge. This was an era of games when you would get a game that was almost like it came with like pe- mechanical Piece, stuff. Mechanical yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're building something. Yeah, they were trying not, to get real no, fancy. No, your dad is building stuff. Your dad your mom, is building Your mom yeah, and your dad yeah, yeah. is putting together your um, the game. And it's hard to play and you lose the pieces so you never play anymore. You remember the game Mousetrap from when we were kids? I hate Mousetrap. Mousetrap is a, such a fun game to play, but it takes so long, so long to set up that you just never play it. My, you know my number one worst game was? Mm. Operation. You know what's funny? I knew you were going to say that as soon as you asked me that, and I was going to say the same thing. I hate Operation. Yeah, same. I hate it. It's so stressful. It's like Perfection, mm-hmm. another game that, why am I playing this? I'm going to get angry. Remember mm. Perfection? Uh, yes, vaguely. You put the pieces in the board. I'm stepping all over the, the interview I haven't yet to do with No, Kate this is Justin. good. This is It's meta and weird. It's yeah. good in these, in these wild times. I'm okay. into it. Uh, let's blast through some history lessons real quick, because I have some history lessons. And I also, because Real quick, we, uh, checkers or chess for you? I like... I personally enjoy checkers, but chess is a more interesting, fundamentally more thoughtful and creative game. Should we start There's, playing chess? I suck at chess because I always forget what things do what. I was good when I was a kid for being a kid. When I was like 12, I played a lot of chess, but I haven't played in a long time. I'm always figuring it out as I go along. I never I have just, a strategy. I just, bu- never... I just bought a set of pieces, so if you want to play, we can play chess. I suck at chess. Checkers, too, but checkers at least is a... Checkers is a good busting balls game. Yeah, yeah. If you want to talk trash. Lower barrier for entry. You, well, you, like, you can play checkers with like a kid. My argument for Yahtzee was that, um, you know, Yahtzee has moments of excitement out of nowhere. 
Mm. You hit that big roll out of nowhere. That's true. You, yeah. get, you get that organic well, that's shoot excitement. dice. That's shoot, shoot, shooting shooting dice, dice is a different, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. dice poker. Let's do a, do a quick history lesson. On this day, 1798, uh, Tennessee was admitted as the 16th United State. Mm. Uh, do you know that it is bordered by eight other states, which seems outrageous? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Problem. Actually, I read that. I think I read that somewhere, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, so... Tennessee transitioned from an agrarian economy to a more diversified economy in the early 1940s, mm-hmm. uh, especially the city of Oak Ridge, which was established just outside of Knoxville to house the Manhattan Project's uranium enrichment facilities. So that's mm. that's kind of ominous. Tennessee's got a lot of weird ominous history, actually. Mm, yeah, I believe it. Uh, Tennessee, however, played a crucial role in the development of many forms of American popular music, including rock and roll, blues, country, and rockabilly. Uh, Beale Street in Memphis is considered to be the birthplace of the blues, uh, whereas Memphis is also the home to Sun Records, where musicians such as Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Jerry Lee Lewis, who we talked about a few weeks ago, is in Total Creek, uh, Roy Orbison, and Charlie Rich began their careers. Uh, also, the Grand Old Opry in the 1930s helped to make it the center of country music. Uh, because of this, it is the home to three separate uh, museums for popular music. The Memphis Rock and Soul Museum, the Country Music Hall of Fame, and the International Rockabilly Museum, which sounds terrible. Mm. I, would never, I would not want to go to the Rockabilly Museum. No, it'd probably, it would probably be awesome. As a musician, uh, you would have a blast there, I bet. So, this has nothing to do with Tennessee, really. I've been to Tennessee once in my life. I went to Manchester. Mm. It was nice. I was there for Bonnaroo. It was chill. I've never been sure. to Nashville. I've heard beautiful things about Memphis, Nashville. Yeah, I'd like to go, I would like to go visit both. They're both pretty uh, high on my list. And I've known people, a uh, great friend of the podcast, Chris Manger, Manger used to live in Nashville. He moved down there and was there for a little bit. Yeah. Um, we've got dear, dear friend of uh, historical purposes, uh, Garrett Maris, lives yeah. down in Tennessee and has got his fabricating shop and built a family down there and kind of moved down. It seems really crazy. It'd be a cool place to visit. Uh, so this got me thinking about all the different museums. When I was a kid... Uh, when you're a kid, do you ever have like outrageous fantasies for what you thought you were going to be when you were older? Yeah, of course. Well, has that stopped for you? No, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> has that stopped? Because when I, I was a kid, that. though, two of them that I think of all the time because mm-hmm. I got thinking about the Hall of Fame. One was that I wanted to make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, in a band. Yeah, yeah. I'm still yeah. <laughs> let's let's hope. You never know. Never know. The other one that I've talked about before, I think, was I wanted to host uh, Saturday Night Live. That's and, always been a big one for you. And. Double duty. Double duty. Double Want to be the duty. musical guest and, and the host. host. Right? Yeah, yeah. The closest yeah. I've ever gotten was doing that really cool event I did at the Uptown. That digital event. Slowly but surely. And I want yeah. to open back up a little bit. You know, you got to you got to start Yo, bring, you got to start bringing the guitar back out. I haven't been giving uh, Devin any credit, by the way, as much as I should. He's been doing Dude, really good work down there, been, killing been, it. There have been, been so many people really during cool these times who've been there. killing it. And he's one of the guys leading it. Like really, just never stops. It's like he's, the kids yeah. like the Energizer Bunny. Him and with you know, I mean, him and his wife together. It's just. They do such good work all the time for that place, and it's amazing to see. It just never stops. I'm going to have to send him a message telling him we we put him over here on the show. You forget about all the people, you know, during these times. Like, you miss your family, you miss your close people, and then you start thinking about the people you see in a larger scale and socially and everything. Like, damn, I miss everybody. I drove past him on the street a couple days ago. He was walking into the the uptown. He had the mask on. Mm. I was driving, and I had the mask on. And I looked at him, and I waved. I was like, he doesn't know who I am. (laughs) You So wait, are you driving in the car with the mask on? Not always, but mm. I did happen to have it on when I drove by him. And I was like, he's not mm. going to know who See, I am. See, for me, as soon as I'm back, as soon as I can get, if I'm not with the public, that's got to come off. But my mask is sort of like weird, so i got to get it off. Mine's a little beat up. i got to change over. I have like five masks in, in rotation. You know what I realized today? Actually, I've got a question for you, and I meant to ask you this, yeah. so I'll do it. I, when Today, when I was out, I decided to wear my glasses today. Sure. So I'm a glasses guy today. I got glasses, glasses guy, on. and it was throwing me off. Um, and I went in, and I was wearing my mask. 
And I realized immediately that I can't wear my glasses with my mask because I'm just fogging up my glasses every time I breathe. Yep. Okay. Because the air is coming up by the mm-hmm. nose. And the mask I was wearing doesn't have a pinch around the nose to make it tighter. There it is. Because it was just that fabric mask. So I have to have the pinch. Mm-hmm. Put the pinch over the nose. Yeah. Leave the sides open. Air comes out the sides like Bane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. yes. Oh, Bane, two weeks 100%. or so. No, but I mean, so shout out to you because I don't know how you've been doing it this yeah. whole time because you're a glasses guy every day. For uh, the most let me tell you, I, I miss contacts recently. My problem is that I can't wear my contacts more than three or four hours now before I get a wicked pulsing headache. Really? Why is that, uh, do you I, think? Uh, I, I don't know. Wrong prescription? Could be that my prescription is old. I think it's just that my I'm a little more sensitive to it as I get older. I used to mm. I was one of those kids when I was in my 18, 19, 20 years old. I would sleep with my contacts on. Just right. wake up in the morning because I was too lazy to take them out and put them back 100%. in anymore. 100%. Stupid shit. Like the dumbest stuff you could do. And now yeah. I think that my eyes are a bit more sensitive now. Mm. I think from years of me treating my eyes like shit. So That's fair. Uh, but either way. That's fair. Here or there. Uh, also on this day, 1934, we'll blast with this one. Nissan Motor Company mm. was founded. Mm. Do you know it was originally called Datsun? Oh, Dotson turned into... So it's one of those things I never okay. really knew yeah, until yeah. I had it verified for me by this mm. note today. They were the first Japanese automaker to win the Deming Prize for engineering excellence. Uh, also, this is a really interesting note about Nissan. Uh, throughout World War II, uh, they converted entirely from producing small passenger cars to producing trucks and military vehicles. Allied occupation forces seized much of their productions in 1945 and didn't return control of them until a decade later. So they mm. got all their control seized from them in 1945. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, success in the U.S. and other markets allowed Nissan to expand its foreign operations. Uh, in the late 90s, the company turned itself around by building an alliance with the French car maker Renault. Mm. And, of course, their luxury car line, Infinity. Which is I didn't know was their thing. I didn't know that Infinity and Nissan were like a thing. Uh, much yeah, Infinity is to Nissan as accurate as to Honda or Lexus, Lexus is to Toyota. Toyota or... Did you have any Nissan takes? I, I when I was a kid, I used to think that you love the Pathfinder. Pathfinders are cool. Yeah. When I was a kid, I liked the Xterras. Now when I see them, they give me a little bit of heartburn. That's what I was thinking, the Xterra. Although, I know a guy who's got an Xterra. He's killing it. Shout out to the OG Don Morocco. Although, for all you folks out there, go look up something. Just type into Google 1990 Nissan truck, and you'll see one of my all-time favorite trucks mm. of all time. It's yeah, yeah. an absolute banger. Wish I could get one today. I saw, there's a lady who lives in Utica, and I see her around from time to time in the summer. She's got a Nissan Murano. You know which ones those are? The they're roundy, like the, weird shape. They're roundy ones? and yeah. weird shape, like hybrid SUV type things. So she's oh. got one of those. It's white, but it's a convertible. I, I've never seen anything like it. I couldn't believe it when I saw her. Or I've SUV? seen her around a convertible Nissan Murano. It's white. She's hmm. killing it. And I see her out there. I've seen her a couple different places. And I look at it, and I'm like, a, a convertible SUV. If I could have a convertible hmm. SUV, that's like the dream. Convertible If I could SUV. take my Jeep, but make it a convertible, I understand, but like, I don't have a Wrangler. Oh. I know with Wranglers, you can take the tops off, but like, push button, convertible, but you're up there. It's pretty good. If I could get like a convertible Honda CRV. good. Well, you know what? I always thought when I was a kid that I wanted like a muscle car that was a convertible. But I mean, I would still so like loud, to have though. that, but I don't have the lifestyle where I can keep an extra car wouldn't to just you, drive on the weekends. Wouldn't you rather have your convertible be like a cruising car, than like a muscle car? It's not like you want to go 190 miles oh, yeah. an hour for, in a convertible. Well, for, for, as, for as much as I think like old like Chevelle Super Sports and GTOs are super cool and it would be fun to have one. I would much rather have like an early '60s Lincoln convertible. Yeah, it's just like a big, that's what I'm a big boat beach cruiser. Yeah, oh, that's much more my. I used to have that oh, town man. car. I like a, I like a uh, cruising vehicle. Uh, on this day, 1980, uh, CNN 
launched at 6 p.m. from their headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. Uh, CNN was the brainchild of Robert Ted Turner, a colorful, outspoken businessman dubbed the Mouth of the South, much like mm. famed wrestling manager Jimmy Hart. Uh, 1970, he bought a failing TV station in Atlanta and broadcast old movies and TV reruns. And within a few years, Turner had transformed it into the Superstation. When I say TN, uh, was that would be TNT, the Superstation? TBS. TBS. What do you think of when you think of TBS? Uh, syndicated sitcom reruns. I think of Atlanta Braves baseball. Friends, uh, Friends, everything else they played. A lot of a lot of sitcoms over the years were on TBS in blocks. That's Big blocks. Like every night, the 6 o'clock yep. block, 7 o'clock, or like, we're going to do every Thursday night, we play six episodes of whatever sitcom. I mean, again, 24-hour news, I mean, say what you will about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a quote from Moneyball I'm thinking about a lot lately, which is, the first guy through the door always gets bloody. Right? CNN, first guy through the door on 24-hour news. Like, mm. they got kind of crapped on by everybody initially off the bat, but mm. I mean, CNN still exists to some degree of whether you like them or not is up to you. You know what I mean? I... Well, you, you seem conflicted I'm by just, CNN. No, I'm just I'm I. People really get their hackles up about CNN, and it's never seems to be coming from a super well informed place. And being and a journalist, it's like one of those trigger words that every time I hear folks bring up, there's certain things you hear, and you hear people start talking about it, like, oh, this is gonna be a car crash for like this conversation for folks. Yep. I feel... You know I mean? You'll be in, like, mixed company and you hear somebody start talking about, like, Cuomo and you're like, ah, oh, fuck, here we go. I feel like... You know what I mean? It's like, I just want this to not happen near me. I respect journalism and journalists and reporters and what they have to do so much because that job is a no-win proposition. Right, but TV show presenters um, and opinion hosts are not journalists. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm yeah, talking about, just, like, these guys on CNN yeah, yeah, who are getting arrested by, by cops sure. in, in... Actual reporters. Yeah. Actual reporters. And, like... What it means to be a journalist today, like if you're a real journalist today, yeah. most people probably hate you or spit at you or call you a piece of shit, right? At, at, as they have historically, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like going just, all the way back to this has been going on, you know, since. Shout out to all the good reporters and journalists who are doing real work out there. I mean, yeah, shout out to long form uh, reporting, yeah, as well. On this day, 1966, Woody Harrelson is arrested in Lee County, Kentucky, mm. after he symbolically plants four hemp seeds to challenge the state law, which did not distinguish between industrial hemp. And marijuana. Uh, Woody Harrelson is an enthusiast and supporter for legalization of marijuana and hemp. He also guest on Ziggy Marley's track Wild and Free, a song advocating the growing of cannabis. Mm. And since 2003, he served as a member of Normal, the normal orga- the national organization for the reform mm. of marijuana laws on their advisory board. I found this crazy story about Woody Harrelson after I read this. So in 1985, he married someone named Nancy Simon, who is the daughter of playwright Neil Simon. Mm. They got married in Tijuana. The union was intended not to be serious, and the two had planned to divorce the following day. But when they went back to the storefront the next day, the store had closed, mm. so they just stayed married. Mm. <laughs> Which is pretty wild. Well, <laughs> uh, Woody Harrelson first became known as his first role as bartender Woody Boyd, mm. replacing the late Nicholas uh, Castellano, a.k.a. Coach, on the mm. NBC sitcom Cheers. He won an uh, Emmy Award for that. He also received three Academy Award nominations. Kev, can you name any of the movies that he got an Academy Award nomination for? Woody Harrelson? Woody Harrelson. Three times. 96, 2009, 2017. 96, 2009. Um, so, 96, it was probably the People vs. Larry Flint. Correct, Amundo. 2009, maybe Zombieland? Nah, something Seems called like The Messenger. Stretch. I've never heard of that movie. Okay, and then what was the other year? 2017. I uh, forgot this one. It was Oscar? Oscar nomination, 2017. Um... 
I'm going to be so mad when you tell me. Go ahead. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, 2017 with Sam Rockwell, my guy. Do it. Uh, What's your favorite Woody Harrelson role? Uh, My favorite Woody Harrelson role probably... I thought he was he was excellent in True Detective in that first season of True Detective. I really liked him. Um, But I to give you a couple, I would say that I would say it was an excellent application of him in Zombieland. Mm -hmm. He was amazing. He was the only guy maybe who could have pulled off Natural Born Killers, and he was a lot better than people think or remember on Cheers. I think for me, my issue with Cheers is I love Coach so much. He's not bad at it. True, but I think it's. Coach is underappreciated now because he's only there for the first. Coach he's is different. Coach the is the best part. There's no question. Electric. Electric. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll blast through this one today on 2002 crime drama The Wire debuted at HBO. You've watched The Wire more than I have. I'm I'm close to being ready to fight you about The Wire because you should watch The Wire uh, for as much as we talk about Sopranos. I have a stray thought about The Wire though that you can confirm for me. I would love to. Hear I was it. thinking about this. How much does it help that the show is set in Baltimore and not like New York City or Los Angeles or one of the more traditional, like, we're going to set a show in a big major city? It couldn't be set in any of those other places. Mm-hmm. The The city of Baltimore is so central to the show that mm-hmm. you would have to reboot the show from very square one to set it anywhere else. Makes and sense. the understanding of the writers, uh, the, the writers' understanding and show creators' understanding of the city mm-hmm. of Baltimore... It's not like you couldn't make a show like The Wire in a different city, and many other people have tried or made shows kind of like it or done what they've done, but the singularity and the uniqueness of the Baltimore setting and the depth with which they reach um, every different dark corner of the city as a setting and a character is kind of unparalleled, and I think it would be tough to do with a New York or an L.A. or even a Chicago or Miami that people feel a lot more intimately familiar with. You yeah. know what I mean? The people have preconceived associations and notions. Like, if I show you a crime going on in a certain area in New York, you've already got preconceived mm-hmm. notions. You see something happening or you hear about a neighborhood in Baltimore or things in Baltimore, you don't really have any thoughts about that already, so it gives you a fresher palette to really tell this dense story. Uh, I had a couple things. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of the show. Okay. I had a couple news stories that I wanted to get to that we're almost certainly not going to get to quickly, right? Uh, so one of them we will probably talk about again next week. If you get something from the government that seems like it's junk mail, don't throw it away. It could be your coronavirus stimulus check that's now on a card. I've been reading a lot of this this week. So check your mail. If you get some suspicious-looking card in the mail, don't immediately throw it away. It could be your coronavirus mm. stimulus check or stimulus check on a debit card. Have you read this yet? A lot of people are throwing them away. Now I'm going to shy that I've already thrown it away. Mm. Don't, what do you do? Do you do direct deposit for your taxes? Yeah. Then it should have been deposited. Well, I, I haven't gotten anything from them. Really? Send me some money. These scoundrels. Uh, all right. Uh, two stories that I thought uh, I was going to put them under Doomsday Report. This is one This one is from uh, Merut, which is, I don't know where that is. Uh, monkeys that were spotted atop a tree uh, have run away with COVID-19 test samples and now infecting Local citizens. That's right. Mm. Wild COVID monkeys in Marut yep. spreading the disease. So there's Doomsday Report number one. And Doomsday Report number two, CDC warns of aggressive cannibal rats facing the shortage of garbage to eat in New York in the sewers. Mm. There's less garbage in the sewers in New York, mm. so the rats are cannibals now. So beware of the cannibal sewer rats. Right, right. Not to be confused with last week's murder hornets and all the other terrors. <laughs> The other terrors of the, the world. The seven seals breaking open upon the land. Uh, yeah. Let's do, let's do one bit from other blog, and then we'll uh, we'll get into our. Uh, I want to talk about Joker. We're gonna do a Joker. Segment. Oh, yeah. sick! We're okay. Do a, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about Joker and each. I was talking about HBO Max, but who cares? 
Uh, I liked it. I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, people seem to be a little ruffled about HBO Max. Uh, Here's what I'll say. Uh, Shout out to my true believers who listen to the podcast who know uh, HBO Max is worth it alone for the Looney Tunes. (laughs) The Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry to a separate degree but also kind of similar thing. Yeah. Some of the best comfort food watching you can do and you forget how good hand-drawn animation is mm-hmm. in this world of digital illustration. It's very charming. It's very it's weirdly innocent in a way It's that so is. crafted. Like dude, we yeah. watched that episode of Bugs Bunny and Marvin the Martian, like the art design of like the backgrounds and the land and like the set design of the illustration was Did we wild. Did we come to terms with whether we like Daffy or Bugs better? We had like a debate about this last night and never came to a consensus. It's like, because you can't. It's like it's like bird and magic. It's they. Exist. Are we bugs and Daffy? It's like Batman Are you the bugs? Joker. Am I Daffy? No, I'm more Daffy so. than Bugs. I feel like you're not really. No, you're not. Really I'm a little Daffy. more neurotic than Bugs is. I don't have the self confidence Bugs has. I mean, Dark Dodgers. Sorry, I feel uh, like you're not. You don't have like the. You don't have like a bad attitude though. <laughs> it's <laughs> a great point. A I do have a good attitude. <laughs> I guess I'm more of a Porky Pig type. Yeah, he's caught up in the narrative. He's caught up in the like nervous. Don't really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess but, we know who Daffy is. <laughs> uh, yeah, how about it? Uh, bits for other blogs. Uh, has there ever been a band that you refused to listen to just because their name was terrible? Mm. Has there ever been a band you refused? Not that I've refused to listen to. Like, there's been bands. Uh, yeah, I would never fully refuse to listen to, but sometimes. Yeah. Okay. There's like a band that. Uh, GFOP Tim Schramm sent to me and it mm. was like I can't I'm gonna screw it up but the name was so outrageous I couldn't take the band seriously and it, I listened to it and it was cool but I was like I can't tell people I'm listening this is a terrible name it was like something Izzard Wizard in the oh god I'll think of it later I'm gonna feel real bad I'm gonna mm. put it up terrible I couldn't take it seriously mm. uh, I feel bad about that because it was alright mm. I think more than anything else it's got when you're thinking what your band name is in modern day you got to be aware that you need to be able to search that on Google. Like certain bands, it's impossible to search their name uh, on Google. So I'll say, I mean, a band that's always meant a lot to me, and you know, tough because they've had some things come out, like people in the band maybe weren't the best guy mm-hmm. all the time. But I've a band I've held near and dear to my heart for a long time is a band called Brand New. Ooh, Brand New. So yep. tons of times when I would, I know exactly what you mean because mm-hmm. I would go say I'm trying to search for like a live recording or like some merchandise or a CD or like whatever you search Google for mm-hmm. looking for a band right, or like yeah, news yeah. about them you search just the term you yeah. don't think about that Google ability because they came up before we were yeah. Googling everything and so you don't think about it but you're just getting anything that has the word brand new so I'll yeah. search for something about this band and I'm getting like Walmart advertisements and then you type in brand new music and it brings you to like iTunes you're like that's not uh, what I'm talking about I mean a different thing you have to put like <laughs> brand new rock and roll band brand new band so you gotta York. think about that yeah. with your band name because there's definitely other things that are like that too other band names you go to search you're like oh, that's not what I mean I mean, I would talk trash about a lot of like these, like these young kids who have Lil in their rapper name, but like mm. that seems like a cultural thing. I remember all, dude. Think about when we were coming up, all like the preposterous scene bands with numbers. Clap your hands, say numbers. yeah. How about clap your hands, say yeah. How about all the numbers bands, but or like True. a band like Phoenix TX that is spelled F E N I X T X, no spaces, weird capitals at the end, like just yeah, yeah. We did a lot of weird stuff back then. Hundred percent. Did we have a number in any of our bands? Were we ever a number band? I was a number band for like two seconds. Uh, I was never in a number band. I think I was Comet something. Comet I don't think I was band. ever in a number band. Yeah, Blink stole that. Couldn't do it from anyone else. Blink in some form. It was them and then some... Yeah, there were a lot of them. Uh, all right, we'll save the other ones for next week, but that's a fine one. Uh, let's... For the folks who have not watched Joker, which I guess came out a pretty significant amount of time ago now. Yeah. Uh, it's on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max and you haven't watched it, 
Go watch it. And then yeah. you can come back and enjoy the and last... And if you have regular HBO, you have HBO Max, you just have to download the app and then re-sign in. And you have it at the same price, same thing, same deal. So if you didn't know that, because they're not making it super clear, if you have like HBO Go or HBO Now, just go download the HBO Max app, sign in with your regular thing, and now you'll have access to all the new content that's been released. Uh, all right. So if you haven't watched it, uh, go ahead and watch it. Then you can come back and listen to our little diatribe. If you if you don't want to... Are we diatribing? We'll talk about it. We'll, okay. I, I have the, the, the standard format questions that we do every time we do a movie on here. So oh, we'll see. go through. I see. Uh, but again, folks, if you're not going to listen to it, sayonara. We'll see you next week. If you are staying with us, now's where spoilers start. As of yes. right now. Spoilers. Uh, uh, okay. So Joaquin Phoenix turns into the Joker. Joaquin Phoenix is the Joker. Big spoiler. True story. Big spoiler. Uh, I think I need to start here. And I talked okay. to you when we put this movie on a couple days ago. I walked into this movie with a bad attitude. Mm. Wasn't super hyped about it. Didn't mm. seem all that excited. Seemed like it was going to be heavy. I'd have to like sit through this whole two hours of like this depressing. Sure. Like God society is going to beat me up. And sure. I'm supposed to feel bad for this guy who's inherently a piece of shit. He's a bad guy. Uh... And I will say that I was pleasantly surprised. Oh, it's great news. I thought the movie was brisk. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it... Dra- I didn't look down at my phone over the two-hour course of time and say mm-hmm. at any point in time, like, God, how much longer is this movie? Which I'm prone to do. For Happened sure. during The Irishman, I hate to say. Uh, I was like, God, three hours is brutal. Um, I'm sure we'll get that way with It Chapter 2, which I'd like to watch sometime this week, which is another three-hour schlag mm. that we're already not walking into with the best mentality. Mm-hmm. Um... I'll say I, I thought this movie... You told me you really enjoyed this movie uh, when you saw it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't... I mean... Yeah. I didn't, it didn't like change my life. It's not my favorite yeah. movie. But as a guy who loves the Batman lore, is the only comic book lore I really like, care about, and loves the Joker specifically, and mm-hmm. loved the Jack Nicholson when I was a kid, and consider the Dark Knight a uh, contender for my favorite movie ever, Heath Ledger's Joker, possibly my top favorite movie mm-hmm. character. I love yeah. the Joker. I'm always excited when somebody wants their take. And you see sometimes people drop the ball, you know, you get like a Jerry Leto type thing. But yeah, yeah. So going into it, I'm already ready to enjoy any yeah. Joker content you throw at me. I was at that place where everyone had said how great it was. And I was expecting, I was like, there's no way it can be as good as everyone says it is. And I was, and turned the corner into mm. being negative. And I think it actually almost helped because I walked into it with such a kind of a downer Chip mentality yeah, that yeah. I was surprised. Okay, what was your best moment of the film? Um... The I mean, the first time I saw it, yeah. it was probably probably the culmination of his scene when he appears on uh, De Niro's show there. The Murray Franklin the show. The culmination yeah. of Murray Franklin when he's just sitting out there openly being like, mm-hmm. yeah, I did this, yeah, I am this guy, yeah, this is me, this is who I am. And then the subsequent sequence of when there's all the unrest in the streets, you know, which is weird yeah. to watch in light of what's been yeah. going on recently, but it? like... Just the way it's filmed and the vibe they get from it and the feel, it felt like um, a unique and refreshing take while also being a really classic mm-hmm. style take on a comic book origin lore story. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. That's what really stuck out to me is like, you know, for as much as we've seen the Joker and other films and they've got, you know, a cursory thing about where like Jack Nelson gets thrown into the goo or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, Heath Ledger tells some different stories in his movie. We've never really seen just a full Joker origin story pitched in this 70s gritty Scorsese biting style. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that was yeah. what was really cool to me was to see this character that I've already enjoyed from pop culture really given some time and respect and just to slow down and really take this iteration. You know what I mean? Uh, I would say, yeah, I thought by the t- I thought all the Murray Franklin stuff, mm-hmm. all the comedy stuff, him sort of being with the other like clowns and comedians and all that like discussion mm-hmm. about like that world and 
they did a really really nice job with world building what's his name Todd Phillips the director mm-hmm. I thought the world building was really really well done yeah I really appreciated it uh, I just I felt like even though I had an idea of what I thought was going to happen in that climactic scene with Murray mm. Franklin see I knew that he was I knew that he was going to end up shooting Murray Franklin on Murray Franklin's yeah. show before I saw the movie mm-hmm. and that had gotten spoiled for me and I didn't read anything much about it but it was one throwaway line I'm like oh god damn it uh, but that part of the movie, like the, the tension and the acting between them, is really good. And Joaquin Phoenix, that I mean, yeah, it's, it's Phoenix been sad, best, and he yeah. won the awards. There's nothing we can say. You probably haven't already heard somewhere, but he deserves the praise he gets for the overall commitment. To, like, if you thought Heath Ledger took his performance seriously, Joaquin Phoenix is just like even more to the nth degree. What was your least favorite part of the movie? Um. I have an answer to this if you want to take a minute on it. I mean, I I feel like so I'll give you two things. Um, I the popular answer is I didn't really need the Bruce Wayne stuff. Yep, that was what I was gonna uh, say. I didn't really need the Bruce Wayne, but the Thomas Wayne as this character, this oligarchical character overseeing Gotham City, I think was an interesting conceit. Mm-hmm. But I didn't need them to shoehorn the murder of the Batman's parents and him visiting Batman, even though it was effective to yeah. see him get out there. Maybe just Alfred would have been good. But I think also the thing that Although it didn't get spoiled for me, so I didn't really see it coming. Mm-hmm. But his relate the whole relationship with Zazie Beats there, and that whole thing sort of took me out of it. But I was rewarded for that because when I first saw it in theaters, the moment where it reveals that he's in the wrong apartment and she yeah. doesn't know him, I was like, "Oh wow!" Because I thought like I was um, I had been watching it before, and I'm like, "Oh, they're just gonna shoehorn this dumb romance in like." What a dumb decision. Todd Phillips shouldn't be making this movie. Mm-hmm. And then it flipped on me and I so, got got a little bit right there. I told you this when we watched the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that was lost on me because I accidentally figured that out too early. Yeah, yeah. There's a sequence in the movie where he's walking up to Zazie Betts, a.k.a. the, the neighbor with the kid, mm-hmm. and he moves into his apartment. And he's talking to her. And in my head, I'm like rooting for him at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, say your name, fool. Like, tell her who you are. Yeah, yeah. And he never does. And I'm like, God, you idiot. But then in the very next scene, she refers to him by his first name. And right there, my blinders are now up. So for the rest of the, the next, like, 15 minutes, I'm like, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. all this seems really, like, it seems really spot on that she would just be into all his weird stuff and she's into his yeah. quirky personality. And I think that ruined that reveal for me a little bit, although I, I like that story beat. I think that's a really cool idea for the story. And I told you, I thought she was going to be fully imaginary. Didn't even exist. Yeah, yeah. Didn't exist at all. That's so fair. the fact that she was a real person, that shocked me. Yeah. That I was like, oh, she's a real person and he's just nuts, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's invented this whole yeah. narrative in his head. Um, yeah, I, I think if you're going to say the Batman thing, I wish they did less Batman stuff. It felt like it was just... It felt like it was shoehorned. Yeah. It felt like somebody at the studio was like, hey, all right, yeah, yeah, cool, you can make your Joker movie, but you better put some goddamn Bruce Wayne in there. Yeah. Um... This is, an easy, this is an easy question. Do you think that um, do you think that Joaquin Phoenix deserved his Academy Award for Best Actor? Yeah, um, I would have to double check again who mm-hmm. he was up against, but I remember watching it and being like, "Yeah, that's fair enough." Could I make a case for somebody else? Yeah, probably. But did he? DiCaprio, I guess, it? was yeah. the one at the time. DiCaprio that we... was cool. And I really enjoyed Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I actually, I'm looking forward to streaming that whenever it hits streaming. I think with DiCaprio in that movie, I think that movie will actually go down as a movie that he's kind of underappreciated for how good he is in that movie. But for he sure. had just won the Academy Award for, sure. for The Revenant, and I think this Joker performance, we you know we talk about it with a lot of movies. He went through a physical change, a body change, and the Academy Award voters yeah, love a love physical a transition. Change. 
any sort of like, oh, I you know, lost 500 pounds or whatever yeah, yeah, the fuck. Yeah, or, gain whatever 500 yeah, or gain 500. Either way, sure. it's all the same. 500 is always the number, though. It's the magic number if you want the Oscar. Do you think that the Joker will change superhero movies going forward? Um, yes and no. Do I think that the Joker will make all superhero movies going forward look more like Scorsese reboots? No, I don't. I think you'll still have your Marvel, you'll still have your big budget, Saturday morning cartoon, happy, feel-good, family-style theme park epic. Yeah. But what I will say is I think the success of Joker will embolden studios and creators and filmmakers to take people who are a little bit off the beaten path Mm -hmm. in comic book stories or people who have been a little bit underserved and make a different style of comic book movies and realize that not only can we reap the rewards of this pre-existing comic book IP from the big mega Avengers and Justice League and that stuff, but we can also get adults who might not go see Thor of the Dark World, but they will go see this, like, you know, Taxi Driver Joker edition. You know, I think it's... it, it. I hope so. Whether purposely or not, I think it spits in the face of the Marvel idea that this is all... Everything has to be this one connected universe. And this mm-hmm. is not a knock on Marvel. I, I appreciate the uh, the long-term planning and booking and the, the, and, the, and the I also, foresight. Yeah, and I also I mean? understand the notion that if you're Marvel, you've got to ride the hot hand. Yeah. 100%. Uh, but Joker sort of kicks you in the teeth with the idea that, like you can make any story about these it doesn't have to be well I was gonna a say suicide squad sequel if DC a... if DC was really about that business and trying to establish yeah. themselves I think there's a lot more for them to learn from Todd Phillips Joker than there is from suicide squad or Justice League mm-hmm. or anything else like don't try to be like Marvel and do your own version of Marvel's thing be a different thing like commit to this you know commit to this vibe and aesthetic and this grit and everything and make that what your stuff is for like DC Comics movies are for adults. Slide into that because you're not going to beat Marvel. The Avengers have yeah. already done it. You're not going to catch up. I know you got Superman and Batman, but I'm sorry. Uh, let's ask the last question on here and we'll close out for the day. Uh, well, there's two last questions I have for you. Okay. One, do you think this movie deserved all of the press it got about being dangerous and the messaging of it being off Pudding. No, I think that was a marketing plan. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think that was clickbait and marketing planning. Really, uh, no, it was. I mean, they definitely touch on some class issues and some things that um, they definitely they definitely touch on class issues and things that are very resonant today and the way yeah. that people are feeling. The way that people are feeling like uh, folks at the very top of the food chain don't really care and kind of are mm-hmm. you know doing their own version of looting and stuff like that and that anger that we see bubbling into the streets. But much like video games don't make kids shoot up schools, yeah. I don't think the Joker is is going to make people go out in clown masks and you know kill Thomas yeah. and Martha Wayne. I mean, I thought the I thought the controversy was a bit overblown. At best, I thought it was thoughtful. At worst, I thought it was annoying. His sort yeah. of argument, but it never really more than that in either way. Like mm-hmm. there were times in the movie where I was like, "You sound kind of whiny," and there were times mm-hmm. where I actually felt bad for him. And, for sure. But again, I said this to 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 GFOP Justin when we were talking about it last week. Like he's a complex character, but at the end of the day, he's a villain. It's Breaking right? Bad. He's a bad guy. It's right? Breaking Bad. So, he, you watch this guy. You watch this guy. Right? Who poor Arthur Fleck is a guy who's had a terrible life, been yeah. dealt the worst hand, and been. A victim of the system yeah. has no support, has no anything, and you feel so bad for him because he's been dealt such a bad hand. But then you watch him go the wrong way when he gets off his yeah. meds and he breaks bad. I That's still, yes, yeah, I don't feel quite as bad for him after he's murdered three people. 
But that's, right. do you know what I mean? But that's, that's just me, right? But, like, all, I think, but I think the notion of, like, the line he says, you know, and really, like, deep spoilers, I mean, but we're already out here, but the, right before he shoots Robert De Niro in the face on live TV, yeah. he says, you get what you fucking deserve. Mm. And I think there's a lot, I think that line and that sentiment is what people really latch on to. And I think there's probably a lot of fear from people yeah. who feel like there might be people who feel like, yo, you get what you deserve and it is what it is. And, like... Even the people he killed in there, you know what I mean? Like, he killed those guys on the train. Like, those are good guys he killed on the train, you know what I mean? He killed that mm-hmm. guy who was kind of a jerk to him we worked with. He's going crazy. You shouldn't kill that guy, yeah. definitely. But, like, then you go kill this Murray Franklin. Like, he's going bad and turning into a bad guy. But yeah. I could definitely see there's a level where there's concern that people would look at him and be like, no, he was 100% right, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Just like that, the Thanos did nothing wrong, people. The Killmonger was right, people. That kind of stuff. Thanos was kind of right. Uh, again, not totally right. Again, just like uh, just like all of them, no. you know? Should this movie have a sequel? The inevitable sequel will probably happen. It's made a ton of money. Uh, it's for sure. successful for sure, for comic sure. book movie. I hope that the new Batman movie coming out with Robert Pattinson has Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Okay. Give it to me. And we've talked about this already as well. Does that mean that the Joker is 65 years old? That becomes the problem, right? Because Batman in this movie is like a ten-year-old <laughs> yeah, kid. Yeah, he's a ten-year-old kid. And Joaquin Phoenix, no matter how old he's supposed, <laughs> you could tell me he's supposed to be thirty-five. That's the youngest I'll accept. But like, he just looks so old. Yeah. So the Joker then sixty-five. I don't know. But like, only... if they fudge it, also, I'm not like one of those contrarian people. Would who's like, you? Oh well, technically, whatever. Would you buy that the Joaquin Phoenix Joker is dead, and that the new Joker is somebody who? idolized the Joaquin Phoenix. No, I hate when they do that. I hate when they okay. get, here's a second guy who liked the other guy so much. I would rather them just fudge it and be like, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix and Batman are the same age now. And you know why? Because fuck you. That's why sure. we're just making our movie. I would rather they do that than try to retcon like, Oh, well this other weird actor liked the other Joker so much that he's the mm. new Joker, son of Joker. Miss me with all that. Uh, yeah, so I, I enjoyed this movie. I, I don't know if I'd go back and immediately watch it again like mm. tomorrow. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, I think Joaquin is great. I, I said on this podcast after I saw it in theaters and you asked me that after I saw it, it immediately made me want to watch it again. And I don't feel like it after I watched it this time because this is that second yeah. time. But watching it on a second time was very interesting and it felt like a different movie watching it for the second time. Uh, yeah, I think I think it, the, the, the controversy against it's a bit overhyped. I also think that with an actor less capable... Than Joaquin Phoenix, it could have been it very it easily been, could have gone uh, off the rails. A shit show, a shit for show. sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think it really speaks to how good he is in this movie. He, he went kept, all the way. Yeah, he's he really went all good. the way. Uh, all right, that's it. Well, uh, if I watch it, chapter two before next week, we'll. we'll, we'll There's we'll so many movies. And... Crazy. There's still a lot of movies. We gotta watch Uncut Gems. You, we, Uncut so, Gems. Let's yep. watch Triple yep. Frontier. I'll watch it right Frontier. now. <laughs> I'm saying. All right, folks. Uh, Sayonara, humanoids. Thanks to Kate and Justin if they were here, or Kate or Justin. Shout out know. to my darling sister Liz yeah, and her new husband Philip, uh, the new oh. Mrs. Tenney. Amazing for you guys. One of the best days of my life. Also, uh, happy birthday to uh, Maiden Utica uh, cast member, staff member, Jill Ducato. I like cast member. Cast Shout member. out to Jilly Dukes. Jilly Dukes. Another year older. Uh, that's it. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Mm, um, does. I mean, just, you know, again, tell the people who are important to you who you love that you love and do something nice for yo somebody. also stand up stand up stand up like it's time mm-hmm. it's time stand up it starts with tough conversations at home I know it sucks but it's gotta be done yes it does alright sayonara humanoids keep it tight Woodstock lives the tape machines are rolling we are desperately out of time we will see you next week hopefully for another episode of the Uticast we are oh god two away from my five year anniversary dear lord I believe it yeah 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 the time up, is okay. here <laughs>